in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right, all right, there we go. What's going on? There we go. Whatever you just did, keep it right there, Trev. All right. So you picked the right mic. I'm, I'm, I'm on the exact same mic I've been on. It went in and out. You just kept, uh, whatever you were hitting, you were hitting on and off. Now it's back all over the place. You're, you're on a red mic. I'm on the exact same mic I'm on every single day. They That's switched it on you in there. That's all I can tell you. There's two red mics, Trev. There's the one across from me, and then there's this one. So all I can tell you is I'm on this one, and we're good to go. And it's, it's a red mic. It's a, it's a perfect time for a red mic because it's going to be a red three hours. We're going to be very, very excited about all things UofL over Notre Dame. But first, we have to say, welcome in, everybody. It is Monday, October 9th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu to find out how you can get your MBA from UofL School of Business in just 12 months and feel like you're being paid to do so in the process. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the globe, you know it's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here, still with a slightly hoarse voice. I'm gonna, it's gonna get slightly more hoarse as this uh, this three hour show goes on. I can guarantee that. But we're bringing the passion today. This is one of those shows that we've been dreaming about having for the last two and a half years. When we come in and we've talked about another "woe is me" Monday, another "let's talk about it" Monday, another depressed Friday. Not gonna be that today. This is gonna be the most excited, giddy, dreaming big three hours of the Mike Rutherford Show that we've had yet, and I could not be more excited about it. Could not be more excited to share it with you on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Get those thoughts in now. If you want to be heard, probably want to get those thoughts in early because it's going to be a loaded text line. We want to hear from you. We're going to do more of that in the second hour. Before we do anything, though, today, i got to say hi to the big guy. Hey, Trevor. How are you? Hey, hey, field stormer, you. Hey, field stormer. Hey, field stormer. How's it feel to get that 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 field storming cherry popped? Feels great. Feel feels better. Wonderful. Feel good. The right like leg. Steve Carroll at the end of, end of the movie. Well, right leg doesn't feel great, but <laughs> which is a, a a change from from most first times. But <laughs> outside of that, incredible experience. Did uh, did you get to, did you get to any piece of the goalpost in your hands? Did not. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to share all the, the the entire field storming experience. We're, now, of course, we're, we're going to get there. You're in a different generation where they bring it down for you. Like when I did it back in my day, 
We had to bring it down ourselves. I'm like four and a half years younger than you. <laughs> yeah, but you weren't there. It's not my generation. <laughs> Amazingly, there's a big the, the gap though. Four, only four and a half years yet. It still feels like a, a century. Well, some days. I mean, some <laughs> in one direction or the other, it always does. Sometimes I feel a lot older than you. Yeah, sometimes. especially when you listen to One Direction. Sometimes I feel a lot younger than you. But I don't even have no idea what that means. Isn't that a band? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, don't what, you listen to them? No. Oh, you're you're young and, and One cool. Direction was a band like ten years ago. <laughs> hey, at least I got it right. Kind of. Anyway, it was a simple question. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Don't, how are you? Don't, don't ruin the beginning of our Louisville Notre Dame show. How, how can I not be good? How can I not be great? I'm eleven and zero in football. God, you are. I'm winning money. I don't. I don't. I. 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 I got up. I've been rewatching Stranger Things for Halloween month. I mean, it, it is a. It, Life is good. This is, I I feel like at some point Joe Walsh looked up in the future and looked in a crystal ball and saw my weekend and wrote that song. It's all happening right now. It's all happening, buddy. The Lions and the Eagles are the two best teams in the NFC. I don't care about the 49ers. Yeah, 49ers. It's the Lions. No and the one Eagles. cares about the For 49ers. the sake of this show, we're going to say the Lions and the Eagles are the two best teams in the NFC. Louisville's probably the best team in college football. They, yes. It feels like a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the national title. Um, we have a red white scrimmage on Wednesday. That's that's happening. We're we're gonna win a basketball game this week. Uh, now you're we're, we're gonna win a yeah, we're gonna win it down. No, I'm not. We're gonna win a basketball game this week. That's a that, that's a rarity. We're gonna win a basketball game this week. We've got another game coming up against Pitt on Saturday that feels very winnable. We'll see if we can avoid the the old Jeff Brom curse of you know, all these top five wins falling up with a loss. But we we'll get to that as the week goes on. Today is going to be more reflective. Today is going to be more celebratory. Today is going to be I don't want to do the I told you so thing or the we told you so thing. I mean, Lord knows Trevor was driving the Jeff Brom bandwagon as as, as much as anybody. You were pushing on the gas harder than anyone. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I was there there was I took the brake pads off. I, there was there was no stopping the train. This show was I think criticized at times in, in its infancy in the in the first year for being way too pro Jeff Brom and you know you guys you just you don't like Satterfield because you're all Brom guys and you you, know, you want Brom you you, you know, no, Brian. What, what? All that stuff. God forbid. I want to win. This is kind of you know. Th- this is why I think everybody who was so gung ho about getting Jeff Brom in 2018, and who was so unwilling to say, well, you know, screw Brom. If he doesn't want to come here, we don't need him ever. This is why we were kind of holding on to that belief. Nights like Saturday night are why we all were very crushed when things fell apart in 2018. When I, the, the lesser known story of when things fell apart in 2021, which was not on his end, it was it was on our end, mm-hmm. and then why we were so elated when things came together the way that they did in 2022, when we got paid to take Jeff Prom, which is still an, an amazing thing to talk about, an amazing thing to say out loud, especially right now, we got paid to take Jeff Prom to get Jeff Prom. I might actually eat some some Skyline chili now. I can't say that I would have you know, guaranteed a, a 6-0 and start to his first season, a top 15 national ranking, to be one of the darlings of the college football season at the midway point of his first year. Nobody could have guaranteed that. We thought it was possible. And we thought that when it happened, or if it happened, it was going to resonate more with the fan base and the community than if it had happened under somebody else. I mean, a winner is a winner. If this were, if Mark Stoops had come over this year and was 6-0 and we just beat Notre Dame, people would be happy. 
I don't think it's a stretch, though, to say that it means a little bit more when it's one of your own guys, when it's somebody that you've always rooted for, that you've always enjoyed, even when he was coaching elsewhere, even when he got a raw deal here. The fact that it's Jeff Brom and the Brom family doing this with a lot of homegrown players here as well, it makes it just that much sweeter. I don't know if you saw the post-game press conference on Saturday night slash early Sunday morning. I, I watched the post-game. I have not watched all the uh, today's press conference, though. So he started... Yeah, I started watching Kenny Payne. I don't know why. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the today's press conferences, whether it's it's Jeff or KP. <laughs> we're we're going to focus mostly on Saturday. That's right. I, I did watch the post-game on Saturday, though, yes. So the, the, the post-game press conference on Saturday, he starts his post-game comments and immediately says, you know, this is such a huge win for the community. And I know how much it means to these people. I know how much it means to our fans and everybody throughout the city. And when he says that, it's not just lip service. It's not just, you know, Satterfield would try to do some of that. Other coaches that we've had in the past would try to do some of that. And it's appreciated. It, but when you say, I know how much it means, do you? We know that Jeff Brom does. He's one of us. It's the coolest thing. And I think it's why people are still so desperate for Kenny Payne to make it work here is because he's one of us as well. Now, he's not homegrown, but he played here. He, he knows what UFL basketball means to its, its fans. But Brom, to come up through the city, to be a guy who said thanks but no thanks to Notre Dame and other schools when he could have gone anywhere in the country to stick at UFL, which had very much, you know, even less history back in the late 80s, early 90s than it does today. When he says something like that, when he talks about that, when he makes it a priority to lead with that, it resonates more with everybody who wears red and white and black and occasionally yellow. You can't you can't pay a head coach to have that. Like you know, you can if if we had paid Charlie Strong a billion dollars when he was so successful here to be the head coach, it would have been worth it. It would have been justified. You can pay him for a lot of reasons. But what we could never get with Charlie Strong and what we can never get with virtually anybody besides Jeff Brom is that innate, that inherent understanding of just how significant wins like Saturday are to the program and the community. You can't pay for that. Scott Satterfield, I think we all had this feeling, and it was one of the the reasons why it never worked with Scott Satterfield. There just wasn't that full-in connection. There there was never that buy into the community. Scott Satterfield never felt like one of us. He kind of tried for at least a little bit, but he, you know, he wanted to be somewhere else. He wanted to be back in the Carolinas. And when it was obvious that it was a fractured relationship that was not going to be fixed without like a 10 or 11 win season, he wanted to go anywhere else. Even if he'd gone 10 and, and, and 2 the first four years, or 11 and 1 the first four years, he still would have never had that, that type of understanding. You saw it in the complaining about the L's down. You, you saw it in the not emphasizing the Kentucky rivalry. You saw it in the like, well... You know, they're Florida, they've got inherent advantages that we just don't. You know, the same things that he's doing at Cincinnati now. Brom knows what to say to us. Brom knows how we feel about stuff like this. Brom is the reason why. I mean, you see, like, I mean. He I, is I, us. He is us. He, he is one of us. And it's why you see it, I think, just hits so differently with the fan base. It's why you see things like, I mean, I mean, Jack Harlow. I know they showed him a billion times on the TV and some people got tired of it. But him being there. And like screaming about like it's the Brom era, it's the Brom era. Like getting behind Jeff as he's doing his his post game hit with ESPN. Like it's because like we're all we're all from here. We all get this. We all understand what this means. And it's why Saturday was such a euphoric 
I can't sleep. It's 3.30 in the morning. I'm too excited type night. It was one of those nights, man. Like, like, like they come along so rarely. And, and it's why when we have the discussions that we had last week. So, I, you know, I, I talked about it on the radio. I did the thing on the ACC Network on, on Tuesday where they're like, where would this game rank in terms of all-time UofL home victories, in terms of all-time environmental stuff? And, you know, I reeled off. 2006 West Virginia, 2016 Florida State, 2002 Florida State. And my mom, I remember she was like, it's just amazing how you know those. I'm like, it's it's not amazing. There just haven't been that many of them all time. Like, it's easier to remember for us as Louisville fans because we've had so few of those types of games, those types of nights, compared to what I think we aspire to be, which is a big-time college football program that's having these types of games at least once or twice a year. This was one of those nights. This was one of the ones that we're going to remember forever. When when that discussion comes up the next time, and it hopefully under Jeff Brom, it's not going to be a once every five, six years type deal. This is one of those games that people are going to reel off. It was, and I don't think that there's any discussion about this. The greatest crowd in the history of Louisville football. 60,000 people were there. They went over capacity. I think the announced attendance was 59,000, whatever. It was, if you can fit 60,000 people in there, there were 60,000 people there. It was our first no-stripe game ever, TK. We I saw that, I yes. sent you that text when I first or got in there. didn't see a stripe, so, or as you could say, I guess. It was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, damn. Like, no, I, I, I got in there. I, we got in there like half an hour before kickoff, which they ended up kicking off at like 7.45. They delayed it a little bit, which is good for us as Louisville fans, being notoriously late arrivals. But I got in there at like 7.15. And, you know, it was crowded for, for that time. Like, you know, it's way more crowded than it typically is at, at 15, 20 minutes before kickoff at a UofL game. But then, like, when I saw that I had a little bit of time to go get another drink, to go use the bathroom, like, all that stuff, and, and have plenty of time to get back, when I got back to my seats, that's when I looked around and I was like, damn, Flytex, full. Damn, I can't see that Adidas logo. Damn, There's everybody's money going well nuts. Spent Adidas. Like, th- yeah, this is, it's, yeah, sorry, Adidas, for the first time. Yeah. You, you didn't get that free advertising from us. But it was... I've never been in a, a a building, arena, stadium, whatever, at least since like the 2010 Freedom Hall game. If we're talking just home games, obviously our crowd brought it for the national championship. I mean, there, there have been great basketball games since, baseball basketball crowds since. But for football. I mean, the blackout game, the West Virginia? Blackout game was great. This was, this was different, man. I, I, I think there was something about, I mean, the music was great. Like, it, like nobody ever went anywhere. It, like, it was always full. It was always jumping. The the, the sideline was always hopping. The, the, the you know they had the towels in the student section. The student section was more engaged than I've ever seen them. It was, and I, I think it was the first experience that we've had since they enclosed the stadium, which made it all louder. I also love that we did, you know, we we did the thing that we kind of criticized Clemson for. We let that that music go when Notre Dame had the ball. A little bit longer than maybe we were supposed to. I was good with it. You know, just if we're not going to get fined for it, if they're not going to say anything, if everybody else is doing it, hell yeah! Like let's make this place as loud as humanly possible. And for all the Notre Dame fan writers, fan podcasters, fan whatever that were talking about this not being a huge advantage for us, <clears throat> you were say it with me. Wrong. Very wrong. Could not have been more wrong. Nobody's ever been more wrong. Your team was rattled. Sam Hartman was seeing ghosts from the first possession on. Your offensive line couldn't hear the play calls. 
your defense looked like they wanted to crap their pants. The entire night, your entire sideline was just staring blankly into a void because we were mm, on you all night. It was the most fun I've ever had at a Louisville football game. It was an incredible experience. We'll talk more about what happened after as the show goes on. But, Trevor, the best way I can describe it. You're making me wish I'd gotten out of my out of my comfy chair. Oh, no, you should have. I mean, the best way I can describe it, though, it was one of those nights. Like, like one of those nights that I'll, I'll be 95 years old, hopefully, or maybe like at this rate, like 42. Like, <laughs> it depends how many more of those nights we get. Exactly. And you're still going to remember the game. You're going to remember what Jawar did. You're going to remember going on the field. You're going to remember how loud it was. You're going to remember what Notre Dame was ranked. You're going to remember that it was the first signature victory of the Braum era. One of those nights. And we get to have this one for a long time. And it does. We'll get to what's going to happen since. What's going to happen in the future. But it does, I think, portend great things for not just this season, but for the rest of UofL football in the direction we're headed under Jeff Braum. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to, to, to calm my raging crotch down it's just exploding all over the place in here a lot of erections in the building today <laughs> no reason to hide it don't talk we're in different rooms now we can be fine <laughs> no, no i'm not talking i'm more worried about the window in here with the full cross <laughs> all that's what i'm more scared about <laughs> it took 20 minutes for it to get weird we, we made it weird it's not gonna be the last time it gets weird today now did you get a chance to go back and like watch the broadcast on television since so i i, I went home and i watched the highlights after, I mean, because full disclosure, I listened to the emergency podcast at two thirty in the morning. God, I recorded the emergency. I mean, I was about to die. I was. I, I, I could tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still my voice is still a little bit gone. I mean, look, like I've been. I can get into the whole illness and stuff. I didn't like, get a call, but okay. Sorry, I mean, it was. I, I was trying my best to just make it through the day. I mean, it was. It was a long day for me, and we find. I mean, the 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 only downer of the the entire night was. And we knew it going in. The traffic getting out of the stadium oh, was oh, yeah. so bad. But I mean, like again, this is a this is something that had literally never happened before. We've never had sixty thousand fans at a home Louisville football game that pretty much all of them stayed for the entirety of the game. Now, some Notre Dame fans left a little bit early, so maybe you lost like two hundred people. But pretty much sixty thousand fans were around for a long time. So we knew walking to the car that like you know we're in for the long haul here. And it's one thing to say it, and it would have been a lot worse if we'd lost the game. But after 45 minutes of not moving at all, like not moving an inch, you're like, okay, like, are we just going to be here forever? Is that really a bad, like you said, though, that, is that a bad thing? Like, that means that usually you're, that's only happening because of the results of a good oh, game. Oh, no. The, it, yeah. It's a great problem to have, but it's a lot harder to <laughs> to, to do it. See that in the, in, the, in the moment when you're not sure if it's going to be. Like, I mean, we have, like, my you, parents you, are watching the kids. They've been there at our house for, like, 12 hours. But see, when moments like that happen in sporting events, especially after at least a win, that means you can just kind of relax. Don't stress and just turn on the post game and enjoy the atmosphere. Well, that was no, no trust me. That that was great for the first like thirty minutes, and then the post game ended. We oh still, yeah, we, <laughs> we had to move a, a, a like an inch, and you're like, okay, this is a, like my buddy who took his. Who I think went, I'm waving Nick coffees. He's leaving the post game podium. My buddy who uh, we went to the game with, like he's got to get home to see his babysitter. Like my parents are at my house. Like they don't stay up past like ten most nights. It's like twelve thirty already. So, oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, we, we, had, we had to drop off another friend. I dropped off my friend Brandon, like, went over to like, drop my wife off to at least, like, relieve my parents, then had to go out to my friend's house, take them back to their house, and then drove back from there. The over it was, here. Well, I mean, it was, you know, they take me to the game. I'm going to tip in a little bit. And also, I can't really drink. So, so you were, yeah, you had the Disney driver yeah. role. So, yeah. it was, by the time I got home, it, you know, Danny's like, I'm ready for the podcast whenever. I'm like, well, it's going to be like an hour and a half. So, but we, uh, yeah, I did the podcast, finished that at like 2 a.m. 
went upstairs. Like I, I'm still like I, so I haven't had a chance to like funnel through all of my my mentions on Twitter, all, all the things that, that that are out there, all the other videos that people have taken, and I'm trying to just digest as much as I can while being very tired. So I, eventually, I try to go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. Like I, I'm just I'm too excited at this point. I'm too wired. I watch like all the highlight videos that are out there, but as far as the you know, I, I always like watching the the broadcast of the game. I like rewatching a game if I watched it live, just so I have a better understanding of what happened for the show and for the website and for all that good stuff. So I started watching a little bit of it yesterday. Yesterday was a was not feeling great yesterday, but we we did the best we could. <laughs> you didn't, at least you didn't drink on Saturday. You were just it was just you know a lot of movement. It's just it, it's yeah it, it's it's a lot. Yeah, imagine um, throwing in the alcohol in there too. I did have a I I did have a drink and a half. Well, which, which yeah, felt but good. that's not like. A buzz. Well, these days for me, it's it was, <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot. Your it, tolerance is so low. You drink half a beer and you got a buzz. God, I'm so, it's not tolerance. It, it's somewhat not, jealous. It's, no, it's it's not worth getting into. But it's 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 different. It's a different thing. But it does. I mean, you you pay the price for anything like that. But so yes, yesterday I'm, I'm laid up a little bit. But I watched the start of the game, the, the ABC broadcast, which I actually thought the opening was was really cool. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh here we go. I watched most of the first quarter. Then I was like, I'll watch the rest before I go to sleep last night. I get in bed. I watch like seven, seven plays, and I'm just, I'm out. I'm done. So I, I've, I've seen the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping to get the rest of the game down tonight so I can have a fun. But, I mean, the thing is, watching the highlight videos, I've watched the extended highlight videos, being there myself, I think I still have a pretty good sense of exactly what went down. No, you did. I, I was I, one thing I want. I did want to ask you about the broadcast. And you maybe I, I don't. Know, maybe I should bring it up. Maybe you'll notice it away. But I'm just curious if, if if the commentators didn't just beat the Jeff Brom prodigal son story a little too hard during the broadcast. I heard Notre Dame fans complaining about that. It even was even kind of getting on my nerves a little. I'm like, okay, it's, do we need to? Every like <laughs> plumber was with a snap. Caught by Jeff Brown, the prodigal son, return. I'm like, okay. Every well, every notice- play doesn't need to be reminding of us. I get it. It's a good storyline. I understand where you're going with it, but let me enjoy the win, and I don't need don't need to put down my throat every 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 play. I did notice there's one highlight where Plummer escapes out of a pass rush and throws a relatively short completion to Jimmy Callaway. And on the broadcast, they're like, Brom, out of the pocket. He looks downfield and hits Keller. I'm like, when like, I'm giving Plummer credit, it's, it's all just Jeff now. E- I mean, they, they talked about it so much, they probably had it in his head, yeah. The best I, line was, I guess, when they, when, when Jawar broke the, the the big run, and they're like, this place is going to explode. No, he said, he said this place is going to rock. And Rock's that what it was. The way that he said it, though, it made me think that he was he was torn between saying, this. I think he wanted to say this place is going to erupt, and like he kind of like – Choked on his word a little bit. This place is gonna rock, and I was like, "Oh, it, it, it ruined it a little." Bit. I don't know. It also, was like a little still early in the third quarter. I was like, "I mean, it's, I mean, it, it did it did rock, but I mean, it seemed like that seemed like the call for a play like with three minutes left in the game or something." I don't know. Maybe it was. I mean, it was like that was probably the last the, the, the place got. Although before the fourth quarter, when they played Joker and the Thief, it was like I, the whole stadium was shaking. It was it was pretty wild. I had a couple people to text me and say that he thought he was a little surprised at the amount of Notre Dame fans there. I assume I think he was being focused too heavily on the visiting cor- uh, visiting corner section, but did you see? Did you think there was more green sprinkled in there? Should have been no. I I was actually. I mean, surprised. your, your I was, visiting corner is always going to be fully. Well, green. that's where yeah. they, I mean that's where their tickets. Yeah, are. exactly. I was very surprised at how few Notre Dame fans were there compared to. Okay, I mean I didn't notice it on TV either. I was, no, I, I mean I I did not see. It's a huge brand. It's a huge you know. It, it's a sidewalk fan base. So you've got Notre Dame fans everywhere. I, and it's a it's a big game. 
I was expecting to see a lot more than I did. Uh, the, the place was, I'd say, 95% Louisville fans, which is, is what you want for a game like that. The, the actual game itself, I mean, I was, I don't know about you, my biggest fear going into this game, and I'm somebody who, hand up, picked Notre Dame to win. My biggest fear was, was close to my score. Actually, what did you end up picking? I said twenty-seven twenty Louisville. That was yeah, very, right there. I think I said twenty-eight twenty-one. I mean, we both thought it was going to be kind of a in that twenties, yeah, a lower scoring game. My biggest fear in this game was I thought Notre Dame was going to be able to line up and run right at us. Like you know, they, they've it's offensive line. You is what they call themselves. They've got. I thought they were tight in you. They're both, I think. But is there, is there any position they don't have a U on? <laughs> I think just those two. That's what. But, I mean, big five-star dudes, big big four- and five-star guys in the offensive line. You go there, you expect to go to the NFL. Like, you know, they they have – they're picking the litter when it comes to recruiting. So – and when you saw them warm up, like, they – they're big guys. They they are are much larger than us. I thought with Audrick Estime, who is – he came into the game getting some acclaim as potentially the best running back in the country, and that offensive line, I was like, you know what? They'll line up, and when they want to get four or five yards on us, I'm worried that they're going to be able to do it. Because we've seen at times, I mean, Murray State, there were times where they were getting way too many yards on obvious run plays. Uh, we saw Boston College do it a little bit, Georgia Tech in the first game, Indiana in the second half. And I was like, I just, I mean, I feel like they'll control the line of scrimmage. Uh-uh. They, I mean, we just, there's no other way to say it. We whooped their ass up front for four quarters. And if you had told me going into the night that we're going to win this game, I would have thought, it's certainly possible. Like I, I, I was expecting it to be a close game. I definitely thought we had a shot. But I would have been like, we've got to hit on a, a few big plays. Yeah. Plumber's got and, – and I'll say something that you were exactly right about on Friday and I was wrong about. You were like, I think Plumber can be a, a game manager and win this game. And I was like, ah. Eh. I was like, I think he's got to be pretty – I was like, if he's not really, really good, I don't think we win this game. And he was good. He wasn't spectacular. He was, I think, more of exactly what you said. He was a game manager. He just – he didn't make the big mistake. He made some good throws when we had to have him on, on third and five and stuff like that. But we didn't hit on the gigantic play a ton. Outside of Jawar's first touchdown run, you know, we didn't have the the gigantic chunk plays. We didn't win with trickeration. We didn't run like a single trick play. We didn't win with Notre Dame just having a terribly off night. We won by kicking their ass playing the way that they wanted to play us. A lot of just we're gonna run it for four and five yards. A lot of it we're going to throw for seven or eight yards, and then we're going to get pressure on you consistently and make your quarterback, who you think is God, look a little bit human. And he looked more than a little human for the second straight year inside LNN Stadium. I, I was shocked pleasantly by just how thoroughly dominant we were up front. It's not like we just won up front. We dom- We had five sacks. It felt like we had 75 sacks. It was, it was stunning to me. Ooh, Hartman looked like. I mean, with that beer, a buddy of mine's like, he looks like Kane Long. I was like, he looks more like Hans Gruber when he's going off the side <laughs> of the building right now. Like, that's another look I'm getting from him with that beard. And like, that, no. Like, every time he hiked the ball, I felt like he, I mean, you could have seen a little pee go down his leg a little bit. I mean, in the night, I mean, we might as well just gone up to him and, like, just shoved, like, a red rubber ball in his mouth and been like, go to, go back to the den, Gimp, because that's what you are. I mean, I loved it. Hearing all this, you reading the Notre Dame stuff about how all oh, Hartman's going to dominate. We've got these weapons. What was the receivers? The receivers they got back, I think one of them had one catch. They got catch. two of them. Yeah, he had one catch, and it was in like the fourth quarter when the game was over. And then he pulled, I think he pulled his hamstring when he did it. 
I forget the guy's name to save my life now. It's, both the receivers that they got back were, were Jaden. They're spelled differently. Is that what it is? Okay. It was uh, then the one. I think it was Jaden Price, I guess. He had the one catch. It was Great House, and he, yeah, he, I can't remember the other one. He had, like, the other one, I don't even know. I don't even think he made a catch. Price had one catch for five yards, and it was, you know, in the th- fourth quarter when the game was over, and he got, and then he kind of limped, limped off the, the field. He had two catches for 33 yards. Hardly anything. Don't even remember when they happened. Yeah, the only guy they had score a touchdown as a, a traditional receiver was the guy that, that was a lacrosse player. And I got a little worried when they when they made that because we'd held them. I guess that was their third drive. We'd had a couple drives since then without scoring. And yeah, I got I got a little nervous, but then then the whole game just kind of went the same way that the Eagles and, and Vikings uh, seventeen NFC title game did, where the Vikings kind of jumped up the same way with this little post route to the tight end. They went out. They they tied to score seven all with the Eagles, and at that point, it was nothing but Philly, Philly, Philly the rest of the way, and that's the way it was. With Louisville, beautiful. I mean, just the first pick. I mean, when especially yeah. with them talking about, oh, he hasn't thrown an interception in three. I'm like, oh, it's coming, baby. Just, just, just you're just begging me for it, for it to happen. He gets the pick. I think I'll knock over. Almost knocked over my table. I actually, I don't jump out of my seat too often, many times anymore at this point in my life. Mainly because if I do, my knees will like just collapse. But I did there. I didn't see Khaleesi until almost halftime after that. This is a PSA. She, she went running. It was, it was oh, so beautiful. This, this is a PSA because all local opponents love this radio show. They're always listening. So we got six teams left to play. They're all listening right now. They're, they're, their coaches are listening right now. So I, I've got – we're going to help you out here. This is a tip. We're nice. This is a tip. Don't throw it, Quincy Riley. <laughs> Don't throw it, Quincy Riley. What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, we lined up. You talked about the first touchdown. He had another pass. one. He almost dropped too. I mean, he yeah, it was right after that, and it was right after he was like kind of limping that play before. And I was like, oh no, I was like, I was like, Riley looks like he pulled something. Looks like he's got a little strain. And then like he almost he almost makes an interception right before uh, right after I say that. Uh, but they, you talk about the touchdown pass. That's gonna happen when we play defense the way that we came out and, and played on Saturday. Like, like we were we were bringing the house. We were gonna bring the pressure. We were going to make sure that we stop the run. And on passing downs, we were going to try to get to Sam Hartman. On the touchdown play, like we just we, we brought two rushers, we brought two extra rushers, we just didn't get home. And we ended up in single coverage and we got we got burnt. But it was very obvious that even with 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 Jaden Thomas back, even with the the Great House kid back, even with having three more weapons back than they had against Duke, Ron English and Steve Ellis and that staff shut them down. They looked at the tape and they said, We don't think those guys can beat our corners and our safeties. We don't we don't fear what Notre Dame has on the outside. We're going to stack the box. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to make sure that they don't beat us with four, five, six-yard chunk runs, and that if Sam Hartman wants to throw, he's not going to be able to sit back there and pick us apart downfield. And I do think that the Riley interception set the tone. I think they thought that they could come out and they could throw deep on us if, if we tried to play that way. And the first time they tried. Wasn't even a good throw. It was a terrible throw. Horrible. He was un- but the thing is, like, he was guarded too completely. Even, yeah, even yeah. if he makes a good throw, there's like Riley's right there. There's nowhere for him to put that ball that's going to be a completion. Like it's it's either going to be an incomplete or you're going to throw it short, throw it and underthrow it, and and Quincy Riley's going to take it back the other way. And that's exactly what happened. After that, and I do think that there. I mean, I, I brought it up. I think on Thursday or Friday where I was like, you know, everyone's kind of you know we're making a joke about the the, the six turnovers in one quarter last year, and we keep bringing it up. But what if he does throw an early pick? What what if he does? Like, do you start seeing ghosts a little bit? Do you start getting a little bit of that PTSD? And I, I, he'd probably disagree. Notre Dame fans might disagree. 
I do think that there's something to that. I do think that the second that 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 he threw that pick, after going for 14 touchdowns and zero interceptions in the first six games of the year, he can't go one series at Ellen Stadium without throwing a pick. I do think it got in his head a little bit. After some of the other stuff we did to him throughout the game, that pick might have been the nicest thing we did. <laughs> this, yeah, the, we, we <laughs> saved you from a couple more by just knocking your ass on the ground for the rest I of the mean, game. I mean, his poor boy took a beating. It was, it, it was bad, but he was indecisive after that a little bit. I mean, oh, the, yeah. Granted, there were a number of times where it wasn't indecisiveness. He just had .5 seconds to throw, and we were on him. Um, but like from that point forward, just I thought our defense was good, especially after what they did against NC State. I had no idea they could come out and dominate a game like this. They were dominant, Trev. Dominant. Yeah, and I mean, and maybe you know we don't know. Maybe another day we'll, we'll tailspin and. We we look back and go maybe they weren't as good as they're supposed to be, but it doesn't matter because that that's for future Louisville fans to worry about. Right now, currently, the top team 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 top ten team in the country comes in here, and all anybody told us is we had no chance. We weren't gonna we're, despite being only a six and point six point underdog. Oh, they're gonna walk in. We 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 talked about last week all the Notre Dame pundits and it was wild. Even the national talking heads, except for the one good guy over there that we played his video of. Somebody send that guy a muffin basket. Oh, he was he was rubbing it in people's faces I mean, all weekend I, too. I, everybody knew their day. Oh, well, thirty three to ten and forty five to fourteen, and our receivers and they can't handle Hartman. Well, guess what? Get guess what, Notre Dame? You can take Hartman out of Wake Forest, but you can't take the Wake Forest out of Sam Hartman, and that's what that's what we proved again. He's just listen. I'm, I'm glad you dressed him up and you got him look looking nice, but in in the end, he's still just that little schoolgirl that follows us around and. And, and does what we tell him to do, and that's what we and we told him to throw picks and lay down on on Saturday, and that's what he did. I know Hartman had an injury at some point during his Wake Forest career. Yeah, his ego. A- am I getting too greedy to think that, you know, Devin Leary's gonna be leaving UK after this year? Maybe we can get this guy a seventh year, get him back to get, get him get, get him back in the game against yeah, Louisville Hart- next season. <laughs> Hart- Sam Hartman, Kentucky quarterback in twenty twenty four. Let's see what what he does the rest of this year and see if Notre Dame wants him back. Yeah, I mean, he, I don't want him at Notre Dame. We, well, we do play Notre Dame on the road next year, so maybe he can stay there. But I would love a he transfer did, he to He did Kentucky. beat us when he was on the road in White Forest, didn't he? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> he didn't pleasure. It wasn't anything that he did. We probably still owned him. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah, Josh Pate is, is the guy from CBS who, who was very much honest. And he was, if you checked his mentions on Saturday night, he was letting people know that we're very mean to him about the, about the prediction. <laughs> good, good for him. Uh, just how wrong they were. It was him and Baker Mayfield. Who would have thought? Josh Payton, Baker well, Mayfield. Well, Baker was just feeling guilty still that he stole a Heisman he didn't deserve. I've never said a bad word about Baker Mayfield. I'm on the record as being very pro-Baker Mayfield, and this is why. I always knew he was a Cardinal guy. I want to talk more about the game. i got a couple other thoughts. We haven't talked much about the offense. Jawar Jordan, my God. We're going to gush over him in just a second. We've got to take our first break. When we come back, more Louisville-Notre Dame talk here on the Mike Rutherford Show. Celebratory, giddy, bonerific edition here on Monday on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Shout out your name. You gotta come up with better ways and actions to get your pain. All that pressure you apply, it's time to ease off. 
You know what, CJ? We are number oh, one, come. four. <laughs> so what is it, Notre Dame? And number 14. We're back in my brother's show Monday edition here on 1450. one, the Big X. It's all happening right now. Louisville named early this morning the Cheez-It National Team of the Week. We woke up feeling cheesy, coach. Put on a banner. Get it inside the Yum Center right now. Right now. I think my only new favorite commercial phrase of that is in the progressive when he's like, how do I slide into a DM? That sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> the old guy when he says that. Sounds makes, like you. He makes me laugh every time I hear that commercial. He's like, how does one do a slide into a DM? That sounds like fun. <laughs> so cheese at National Team of the Week. We also had the ACC Weekly Awards came out today, and we've got uh, Mason Riger is the ACC Defensive Lineman of the Week. I mean, the man who just humiliated the number one tackle in America. I'm not once, but twice. I mean, Riger was a beast. He and, just ran him over. He also, and my favorite thing about this is, you know, Mason Riger is a walk-on, former walk-on at UofL, gets a scholarship. Nice. And now he's winning ACC Weekly Player of the <clears throat> of the Player of the Week awards. Against Notre Dame. That's how it's done, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. I'm glad you got to sack the, the third-string Georgia Tech quarterback after a game was over. And, you ready for this? Mason Riger's father, named Rudy. Is he really? With an I. So embarrassed by the Notre Dame Rudy, he had to change his name. <laughs> R-U-D-I, Riger is his name. Also, Devin Neal, the ACC defensive back of the week after intercepting Sam Hartman uh, twice. Which, by the way... Is it really that much of an accomplishment? I feel like, you know, it's just, you know, pick him off four times and maybe we're talking. But <laughs> the guy's had 13 turnovers in his last six quarters at LNN Stadium. It's just like he's handing You're not out. even being exaggerating. That is an actual number, right? 13 turnovers. Because he had, because people, the, the one sack he had on the fourth down was technically a fumble and recovered by us. They called it a team fumble. That was basically caused by Ashton Gelade on. Yeah. I mean, because it was fourth down, so it really didn't matter. But still, I mean, I'd like to have the fumble recover, fumble and fumble recovery stat added. 13 total turnovers in the last six quarters at LNN Stadium. So he had six in both games. But his team did. Or, oh, total team. Okay. Total team. That's embarrassing, though. Six, He's the leader six, of the 12, offense. The uh, Mason Rager and Devin Neal getting it done. We did come close to having your your prediction of Sam Hartman being carried off the field like Rudy. At, at, at I did think about it briefly when, I was, when we were down the field. I was like, what if you just look up? It's like how Hartman's just in the middle, like being raised, like it's a it's a Jewish wedding. He's just like, he's, he's like raising. Ha, la, ha. La, 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 la. He's like, put me down. We're like, no, you're here forever. Harlow be leading the charge. Sam Hartman goes in the Ring of Honor uh, for the Duke game. We bring him back on October 28th to, to be honored like Brian Brown. They went to him at, at, at the game right before he was walking up. Like, Hartman, how do you feel? He's like, I'm just waiting to meet Harlow. It was a, it was a bad night for Sam Hartman. Another one. I do like the picture of him being sacked where he's just like, looks like he's like just blank stare. Like, I hate this place so much. Uh, I mean, imagine yeah, if Sam Hartman. Uh, he, he looked like the dude, because with, especially with the beard, he kind of had that look like at the end of when, uh, in uh, Knocked Up when they're at the hospital and they're also making fun <laughs> of the guy. He's got that just stared look on his face. He's I like, hate hospitals, man. He's, 
I hate this place. Like, is, is that his rabbi over there? Like, I don't know who that is. It, did, I mean? it did feel like that where he's just, like, staring. Like, he's like, I'm freaked out, man. I, I hate this place. Remember that? That was Hartman in LNN Stadium. Remember they answered the door, and he's like, he's like, you have pink eye, too? He's like, no, I'm just really high. I'm just freaking out. That's, that's a Hartman look. It's a befuddled look on his face. I know I've seen it. It was, yeah. I mean, a, a beautiful. I would say shockingly bad performance, but it's kind of become par for the course. Uh, we we appreciate it, though. It was not all his fault, though. His offensive line gave him really nothing to work with. No, but it was, it just it was so fitting because all we've heard all week is that no, no, let's not bring, let's not ignore how Hartman's you know a six year guy too, just repeating through college and 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 was he was you know had no success versus Louisville in the past. That's all talking about how Plummer is 0-3 versus Notre Dame. And- well, and, you know, you can't compare what Hartman did last year. He's got yeah, elite weapons around him He's and elite offensive elite line. I guess because Plummer's got nothing but bums around him now. It was, yeah. I was, it was just, it was, it was bending. It was beautiful. Like, we can't even bring it up. Don't even talk about it. Don't even think about talking about it. And now, well, now what's Notre Dame saying? It's, it's all the coaching. Not, not the, We don't have the players still. The, we just outcoached them, which is not exactly a lie either. But well, I think that's very true, actually. But I think the fact is you're you're accepting one truth and ignoring still another that you know we can we can still run we can run with you if you want to talk about the the, the discrepancy Literally. there the, the talent discrepancy the, there are numbers to back that up Notre Dame has the fifth best roster in the country per recruit average this season yeah. Louisville in that same category thirty second Notre Dame has a blue chip which is a four or five star recruit ratio of seventy three point one percent seventy three point one percent of the players who suited up for Notre Dame on Saturday night were former four- or five-star recruits. Louisville, 29.4% of their current roster are former four- and five-star recruits. And yet, Louisville dominated that game. I hated the last touchdown. Yeah, fast car still can't win a race if you don't know how to drive. I, I hated the last touchdown because 33-13 looks so much more reflective of what it, it was. Yeah. Than Although at the end there, I was like, just don't make it 33-27. Well, that and also I like the fact that we held him out of the end zone after that one little touchdown to the, the tight end. It was, yeah. They pretty much shut him down after that. They needed two plus yard field goals after that. God, that kid, I mean, just drilled him too. The, the first him. one was going to be good from like seventy. The second one, I don't know why they 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 went for it. Like, I thought that was dumb. Go for it. I, I don't know. They kick a field goal there, but they, then they're they're willing to go for it on fourth and ten with ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It was very strange. Yeah, yeah that, that 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 well, stunk desperation. It did feel like, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's like it, it was all about the talent. It was all about the coaching. And nothing about like just us having two star kids and them having all these five star kids. I like, think we've we've got good players too. That's pretty obvious. But it it did feel like a game on Saturday night where we've got a guy that's been in the situation a lot. He's coached a lot of football games. He's been around. This is his twelfth year as a head coach in college football, and they've got a guy that it's his second year. Didn't have a great first year. Still trying to figure some stuff out. Their staff like. We it felt like we were more prepared for the game. It felt like we were more aggressive the entire night. It felt like we had a better game plan. It felt like our in-game adjustments were superior. Like all of the little stuff that you need to you know to have a if you want to call it David over Goliath type performance. Although I think we you know you can make the case that we're Goliath here. All of that stuff was on our side Saturday night. And it wasn't just the crowd. It wasn't just the environment. Like, our dudes were just more fired up, more aggressive, more physical, and just ready to kick their ass than they were against us. But, Mark, Notre Dame was in their third straight Saturday night game, and they're just worn out mentally, and it's everyone's Super Bowl, and they can't take that every week. I did hear that from some people. I'm I'm not saying that can't be dismissed, but here's the thing also. Don't in one hand give me that excuse, and on the other side of your mouth tell me you're Notre Dame. 
Because guess what? If you if you're Notre Dame, that's what you do when you're Notre Dame and you're at the top of the mountain. You play those games every week, and you are everyone's Super Bowl. You can't have your cake and eat it too, buddy. And also, none of you were saying this before the game. Like the, oh, because there was no concern. I mean, we read the predictions last week yeah. from the Notre Dame fan side. Oh, yeah. We read, I mean, none of them were like, I don't know, playing you know three straight games, playing the, the week zero game in, in Hawaii, or I mean, overseas in Ireland, and then coming back home. Like the, you know, the schedule that we made up, this could have an adverse effect on us. It was all, they're not as good as Duke. They're not as good as Ohio State. It doesn't matter about this environment. We've got better players than they do. We've got a better quarterback than they do. We've seen Jack Plummer. He sucks. We're going to win by two scores or more. That was almost, to a man, every prediction we heard from the Notre Dame fan media and even the Notre Dame objective media. We read the, the South Bend Tribune writers. Their, yeah. their four predictions on, on Thursday. And now, in the aftermath, it's a lot of, well, they looked worn down. They looked a little tired. They've, they've coming off of two straight physical night games. Uh, they played in Ireland, all this. Uh, well, that, that's fine. If you want to try to use that as an excuse. Like months ago. <laughs> you can't do it after the fact, though. You you can't. If it wasn't going to be an issue for you 48 hours before the game, yeah. it can't be the reason why the performance happened 48 hours after the game. I, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. We kicked your ass. Sorry. That's, that, that's what happened. We were a better football team than you, and we showed it for four quarters. Accepted. I may not have an ACT score to get me in Dame, but even I know that. Kelly Dickey, stat guru, does text in to say that the uh, the fourth down strip sack was a Hartman fumble, not Good, a team okay. fumble. So that means 13 Hartman turnovers in his career versus Louisville is correct. 11 in the last six quarters. Did he was he had all the turnovers right? Did am I remember he had right? Three interceptions, and then he would have had yeah. If that if that fumbles on him, then both fumbles. Yeah, so you know, their no, their backs or skill position players fumbled as well. No, I don't remember. Okay, was there? I, didn't a, think, I don't think I didn't think they did. I was just trying to remember. Was there a moment for you where you got a little worried? <sighs> well, well, a little bit when they scored the touchdown to tie it up because we had after going up seven nothing with that momentum and but and, and having back to back, he was two straight three and outs or so, or maybe not three and outs, but not a lot of movement. I got a little worried, you know, that maybe. We'd lost an opportunity to take a bigger lead than we could have. Um, that that had a little bit of worry, but I don't say it was concerned, but more just kind of okay. Let's let's you know let's let's calm back down and get the momentum back, and we did. Outside that, the closest worry I came to was maybe a little bit on the onside kick because I'm like, here we go again. Especially they recovered it. I'm like, eh. there was a part of me that got scared. I I, like, I can't even lie. There was a part of me that was like, no, no just don't. Do like that. I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, hey, there was like a, it was only there was only like maybe what under two minutes left. I think wasn't it? It was, like, it was like a minute twenty. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, they need two scores. I mean, the odds of this are obviously very very hard to do. But I've seen listen. I, I know I know this sounds insane to anyone else, but. When you've lived through the end of a Virginia Louisville basketball game where you give up when you lose the game the way we did in that year, then honestly, I have I accept that anything can happen at any point in time with any amount of time left in the game in any sporting event if if you let it happen. Look, we've been through a lot the last been, eight years yeah. collectively as a fan base. Uh, you'll have to forgive us if we aren't just waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, you think your basketball program's rolling around and then boom, stripper fiasco. Like, nobody sees that coming, so... It's you know we we 
We expect bad things to happen. There was a part of me that got a little bit nervous there. The one time that I was legitimately like, but I was I wasn't like scared. Of the, yeah, the, the the one time that I was legitimately like, I don't like the juju right now. I feel bad about this because going into half, even though we missed the field goal, I was like, we outplayed them. Yeah, I I oddly feel confident about the second half, and then we come out, we get the ball, and the first play, great throw to Jamari Thrash. Yeah. He tries to do a little too much, and he puts the ball on the ground, and that's when I was like, oh. This feels like maybe where it turns, maybe where Notre Dame gets into a flow. They finally got that break. Their offense can start. They came out with a game plan to have a lot of short throws. They kind of, you know, they didn't establish the run game. Maybe they do that now. And to our defense's credit, we forced them to kick a long field goal. Uh, Their kicker drills it. But after that turnover. That was their only lead of the game too, right? It was, 10-7. Yeah. Because I was thinking, you know, we're going to come out. Brom's going to have his his opening series script. We're going to have, you know, we're going to score. We're going to set the tone. And then it's on us to, to, to keep this going the whole second half. And then when we have that that just momentum killer, especially with the crowd going nuts right to start the second half, I thought this is this is real bad. Even and he missed the field to goal, our defense's credit, like we just we did not allow them to ever seize momentum. Even when he missed the field goal, I just a little, there was a little nerves too because it was I see it as a missed opportunity. And this was a game that felt like we didn't have – you didn't want to miss too many opportunities to put points on the board. Right. And luckily, we – were able to miss opportunities because we were by far the better team and more dominant program on that night. But still, you're right. Yeah, that when I forget about the thrash, I guess with, with the way the game resulted, the thrash fumble did kind of elude my mind. And and he just it was just a you know weird weird play where he's switching hands mm-hmm. yeah. and, he, and got got caught in doing it. And you're right, that was that was a no 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 no. Don't let because you're right. The momentum did feel like it switched there, and it was the most momentum they'd had at any point in the night. But it didn't last very long. No, we, we got it right back. And getting that three and out there was huge to yeah. not let them get. I mean, at the time, I thought it was huge because, like, hey, this dude's going to kick a 53-yarder. Good luck. Three and, and he just just destroyed it. Uh, I mean, how many times did they go three and out in that game, I wonder? A ton. They were three of 13 on third down, too. Oh, I know. Our, we were tremendous on third downs all night. Beautiful. And, and a lot of those were third and short. I mean, there, there were a lot of times. Jalen Alderman made an incredible play on a third and one where they're trying to run straight up the gut, and he comes perfect blitz, doesn't get touched, gets right to the guy, and he and TJ Quinn – uh, stop it! Hit, hit estimate like four yards behind the line of scrimmage. It was just stuff like that all night. I, uh, I mean, we just bullied them. I mean, the, uh, the, the I guess the the two what it, what what the bleep would be the offsides. I guess on the punt. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I was like, I'm sure I, 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 I said ma- some things. Imagine you were in the crowd. Like, what what are they calling? Because I, I, I had I, no idea. Yeah, if I was in the crowd, I would have been totally lost. I'm mean, like, what are they talking about? Well, they never announced it. it was the thing? It, it was very they, confusing they even the, over television. They, to be fair, they kicked the punt. You know, we go, we you know we get it go. We, uh, Coleman goes out of bounds. Yeah, and we're like getting ready for the offense. Nobody's paying attention, and all of a sudden, all we do is we we see Hartman and the Notre Dame offense trotting back on the field, and nobody says anything. And eventually, the the PA goes, a penalty on Louisville will give Notre Dame a first down. I'm like, well, what the hell happened? Like, like what was it? I had to text my friends who was watching from home, and he's like, I think our gunner lined up like a foot offside. It was, and it, and they showed it very briefly on the even the broadcast. They were like, oh, here it is, and then they went back to the game. I was very frustrated. I was. It was kind of annoying. Yeah, that was uh, annoying. The other thing that kind of annoyed me, and I know we got about a minute left here, was that, and I just didn't annoy me until after the after I went online later on, was the uh, face mask they called on on on, on Notre Dame, uh, and just watching the Notre Dame. There was I don't know. There's a thread I guess after the game where this one guy just went his rant how the refs cheated, and we the only reason we won is because the refs cheated for us. Well, they missed two on them, right? And he kept that. bringing up the fa- that face mask, and I'm like, I, w- I want to take a video and send it to this guy and be like. It wasn't on the the guy with the ball. The, they clearly showed it even on the broadcast. It was the defensive end that you know, or yeah. the offensive tackle that 
that grabbed the face mask of the of the right. defensive end, and he. I've got a thought on that too. I've it been, was oh, it was making making me insane. There's one of those few Twitter moments I wanted to scream. We've we got to break. We got to we, we got to get a break here because I've got I've got something on that that I'm going to read right when we come back here. So hour number two, we're going to read that, then we'll get to the text line. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and All right, welcome back in. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, celebrating the victory over Notre Dame. 33-20, the Cardinals moved to 6-0 for the first time since 2012. Still unbeaten in the ACC. All Everything in the world to play for for the rest of the season. I, I do want to touch on that a little bit in the 5 o'clock hour, what this means now, the possibility of a special season, all that stuff. We focus mostly on just Saturday night's game so far. The, the text line's about to bust. We have like 1,500 uh, unread text messages. We're going to get there in just a second. But... At the end of last hour, I do want to talk more. Trevor was talking about the the, the face mask call, and I think it, it was really the the play that shot down any shot of Notre Dame making a comeback because it, it's seventeen thirteen at that point. We have a third and we had we just gotten a, a penalty where Jack Plummer wanted to kill the crowd. Jack, I mean, we we get a delay game. Plummer is doing the whole thing where he's just like, "Please, God, quiet down." I know you guys are excited, but we like we're on offense. We've got the ball. Shut the bleep up. Please stop. And we get a delay of game, and, and he's going nuts. And he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm asking you nicely. Please be quiet. So they have a little bit of momentum there. We have a third. We throw a wide receiver screen on third and 12 or whatever it was. Stop well short. We're probably going to punt at that point. We didn't get enough to go for it on fourth down. But they called Notre Dame for, for a face mask. When they showed the replay in the stadium, I was like, man, we got away with one. Because I'm watching the ball carrier. I'm watching, I think it was Thrash, had the ball. And the tackler's got his arm around his neck. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, eh, that's, that's not a face mask. And then, like you said, when I came back home and I saw the the, the actual replay, where the actual penalty was, it's off the ball. And, it, and the announcers pointed it out during the broadcast. Yeah, which, I, I again, like, I'm there, so I don't hear that. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, man, we really got away with one. But even if we had gotten away with one, there was an obvious face mask on Garendo two plays later that they didn't call, and then another one on the very next drive. That they didn't call. They showed the replay of the, both those in the stadium. And it was like, I mean, they just like almost took his head off. But this leads me to my favorite take from today from a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> it's not my boy Tom Noy, is it? It's not. I love Tom Noy. Yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom's usually down to earth. There's been a lot of. Yeah, you know, I, I think he picked us to lose like 34 to 10 or he, something. Yeah, he thought Notre Dame was going to roll, which is fine. It's, yeah, it's he's, fine. A, he's objective. It's a wrong prediction. We Tom all make good. them. But we yeah. haven't been wrong all year, but. Not much. We, I have it. Big up. X, big bets of the weekend. Six, six for six, baby. Yeah. Just trying to get you all rich out here. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but there have been a lot of Notre Dame takes out there from their fan riders, kind of trying to explain away this victory. There's been a lot of also just like these coaches suck. We're, we're done. My favorite take of all the takes that are out there, this is from Douglas Farmer of, of NBC Sports. So NBC obviously has the deal with Notre Dame. They, they carry all their games. And NBCSports.com has a dedicated Notre Dame writer that is, as you might guess, very slanted towards the fighting average. So he looked at Three plays that doomed Notre Dame against Louisville, that, that tanked any shot they had of winning this game. And the second play that he focuses on is the, the face mask penalty. 
And here's what he had to say. And this, this is this is wonderful. He said the Cardinals would have almost certainly punted. Instead, fifth-year linebacker Marist, uh, Marist Liufu, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that correct, uh, incorrectly, Sorry. was whistled for a face mask penalty away from the ball. We, gotta get, we, got, we got them off the field on third down, and then we got the penalty. Freeman said, that hurt. You can't have that. Then they drove, and we missed a tackle on the hole, and they scored again. Indeed, the drive ended with a poor run fit, springing loose running back Jawar Jordan for a 21-yard touchdown, his second explosive score of the night. But what was Liufu guilty of? Getting blocked. Notre Dame had lined up only two defensive linemen with their hands on the ground, and Liufu showed a blitz block standing uh, between them. He blitzed upon the snap and was picked up by an offensive lineman. As the jet sweep around the edge occurred, another offensive lineman chipped Liufu in the shoulder, effectively effectively knocking Liufu's arm up into the initial blocker's face mask, while also knocking Liufu off balance enough that his hands instinctively grabbed for balance. Liufu did not face mask a cardinal. His arm was knocked into a face mask as Liufu fell. That's incredible. No, honey, I didn't sleep with the girl. I fell and my penis went inside her. It was just there. It just happened to be there. I did not stab him. I was bumped into a party while cutting birthday cake. My hand instinctively made a stabbing motion as I got near a human being. And he fell to the ground. What do you want me to say? I don't. I don't know what. To, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, and Pinu is is innocent in this all this, but uh, that evil Louisville player is just bumping him around. He did not face mask a cardinal. His arm was knocked into a face mask as he fell. I mean, we didn't instinctively get, we, grabbing it. Whatever we, we, we weren't offsides on that on that penalty, on that on that punt. We just were instinctively standing in the wrong spot. Instinctively standing in the wrong spot. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, Kelly Dickey did text in. That's, that, was, that was Ben Perry. That was Ben Perry who lined up offsides. And he said he lined up even with the ref who was five feet away from him. I know that was. So it should have been pretty obvious that he yeah. was lined up offsides. And the next punt, he was five yards off the line. Yeah, they, they did bring up the ref that was standing right there next to him, being like, you might want to say something to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> a little heads up here. I mean, Jeff looked furious, too. And it, uh, I mean, it was a big play at the time. Yeah, it, well, it was. It was one that made me nervous because they got the ball back, but luckily I believe we we stopped them again on that next day next drive anyway. And it's a safe bet. Since we stopped them on ninety percent of the bet the, the drives they made, um, I, that's wow. I mean, I I've come up with some like bizarre like excuses in my day, mostly in my teens and twenties when you know I'm just an idiot when making up things for, but. I mean, that makes me sound more sane when I say that, that Tayshawn Prince, Golton, and Reggie Miller. It's bad. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that was. He was guilty of getting blocked. I mean, that was, he's guilty of being blocked. He just happened to grab the, well, then don't grab the face mask on your way down there, Tua, or Papua. It's not like, you know, every now and then you'll see a penalty where a guy gets blocked into, for a rushing the, roughing the punter call, or like, you know, trying to, impeding a returner. And like that happens, and, and usually the referees catch it. Sometimes they don't. This is is a little, and you can't like 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 you can't force somebody to clasp their hands around anything. What were getting, some of the other big plays according to to, to, to Dougie Doug? Um, let's see. Let me guess. The uh, interception by Riley. He was it was a, it was often it should have been pass interference. The fir- no the, the the first play was actually he said Spencer Strader kicking the the, the second field goal and not going. So he said that was a kicked a 54-yard field goal, but it was really dumb not to go for it. And the 
the should I go for it analytic meter says it was like a he's like a ninety six percent thing that you should go for it. Um, but you know, they never got the ball again with a, with a chance to tie or take the lead. We went up twenty four thirteen and never really looked back. Yeah. That was his first big play, and then the third make or break play. He, he said it was going for it on fourth and eleven from their own thirty five yard line. Yeah, that was ten I, I mean, I thought I was saying things when we, when they came out. I was, I was like, yeah. I thought the same thing. My, my buddy of mine just stopped by because the UK had at that point already been just completely smashed. And oh, was, did that happen? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I forgot. Did we forget to bring that up? Huh? Hey, TJ, Trevor, take the under 47. I mean, I, one of them did take the One of them got under 47 by I, themselves. Man, I gave you that one on Friday, and I was like, I'm not being a hater at all. I'm just telling you right now. I feel like George yeah, to flex a little bit here. They, and they did. Um, so, yeah, and then he, came, he, he stopped by and was like, are they going for it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, God, he's like, I thought Stoops gave up. <laughs> I was like, no, Freeman's giving up too. One of my favorite parts of the game, and I don't know if you you didn't see this because this was a television thing, but it was in the fourth quarter. There's just a random moment when they, I guess they, there was someone in our end zone with the crowd that had a sign that's like, make sure you've got, ten, uh, make sure there's, uh, get your tin on the field or something like that. And it, it was, <laughs> I'm butchering the guy's sign. But the camera shows them, and then they go immediately to the sideline of, of Notre Dame, and the guy's holding up the play call, and it's 11. <laughs> I'm like, you could not have asked for That's a better. Perfect. Like, I, I wanted to show a videotaped it. Like, he was just immediately just jump from that to their side and hold up 11. I'm like, you, I don't think they did it on purpose. But the production crew, bravo on that one. Oh, that's wonderful. If the, if the director did see that and did it on purpose, then, then chef kiss to you, buddy. That was, that was beautiful. We also did a great job because we were you – know, we had our punt unit, our, our punt return unit already on the field when they were line, coming back, and then we got the defense on. And we were lined up correctly, but, but I, I loved calling the time out there. I, I thought Brom did a great job because if you stop them there, the game's basically over. And, and he's sitting there, and I think we were so stunned that they were going for it that we weren't really prepared. So we got a chance to see their formation – uh, and then also regroup, and sure enough, we you know the, after Force a timeout, a turnover. <laughs> we we come out and we uh, yeah it, it was one of those we I think that was we actually dropped an interception on that play, and I was oh like, that that the set this this that was that was another fourth down that we stripped yeah. sacked. Okay, I couldn't remember. And I I was like so I, many of them. I, I think that was I, I think it was Brownlee who dropped the interception, but I was like you know what it's a savvy play. He just saved us fifteen yards. We get the ball back at the line of scrimmage. So uh, well done. That was a, you you don't want to catch that make that diving interception. We've neglected the text line. You guys are uh, about to bust. 502-414-1450. There's no way we can get through the entire. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. You just read text. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette for the rest of the hour. There's so many texts, but we will We will get to. Eventually, we're going to get to just about everybody. But this could also be a day where like we react to some text and then like 50 more come in. So it's great. Texture says, I've got, I've got I have so many thoughts of the game. One, I stole a towel from Notre Dame sideline. Did you get a towel, by the way? No, it was only the student section. Ah, okay. This is a credentialed, uh, so whoever's sending this text is, is credentialed. So could, maybe this is Patrick. I don't know. Uh, Patrick tried to steal a Notre Dame chair, by the way, when he stormed the field. And there's video. He showed me where the video, like, like a Notre Dame, like one of their like, uh, guys. Why would you steal a chair? I don't, I don't know. He thought it was going to be funny. He's a kid. Kids do stupid, stupid stuff. So, yeah. He like, grabs a chair and like one of the, the Notre Dame security guy like runs at him. He like throws the chair down and like just runs away as fast as he can. But if you do the chair the security guy. <laughs> Uh, he said, one, I stole a towel from the Notre Dame sideline. Having a credential helps with stuff like that. Two, I love Brom. Uh, I love that Brom said championships need to be won here during the postgame. It feels like Schnellenberger with the collision course quote. Three, I'm fascinated to know if Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman will ever publicly talk about his last two experiences at Louisville. <laughs> Notre Dame has hidden him away in the lead up after the game. And then he just says, this is not Patrick, but I do work with him. Brown daddy? 
<laughs> I don't think he was out there. Okay, round petty. Props on the on the steal. Well done. I do love the I, I do love that Brom is not shying away from the, he hasn't been shying away from things from day one. I mean he brought up championships in his introductory press yeah. conference, which is great because like I, I wrote that thing last week talking about how, you know, every time that we start to have seasons like this and then we have a loss or two, people will do the thing as Louisville fans that, that I've heard my entire life, which is, you know, think about where we were, right? Think about the facilities we have now. Think about, you know, you guys are so greedy expecting more than a 7-5 and five season or an 8-4 and four season. We're in the ACC now, all that stuff. And it's not like it's not a, a an invalid thing to say. Yes, we have different expectations now. Yes, we have different facilities now. The program has improved leaps and bounds over the last 25 years, let alone the last 75 years. It doesn't mean that it can't improve more. It doesn't mean that we can't, you know, I'm not saying we need to be Alabama, Ohio State every single year. I am saying and will continue to say that we have proven in years past that we can be a program that every now and then is right up there with the elite of the elite. And with the playoff expanding next year, there's no reason why every few years we shouldn't be at least in the mix to be a top 12 team that has a chance to win three or four games in January and chase a national title. And look, we're going to talk more about it in the next hour, but we're kind of right there right now. I know Jeff brought this up and, you know, he brought up, you know, you, you moving up levels and now you're at a level where, you know, you have the target on your back and you need to be prepared for that. And, and I think that that is true. I mean, especially when you're going on the road to Pitt next week and maybe Virginia, Virginia Tech and so on, but, I mean, not in Miami. We saw. I'm sure you got home and maybe see the way that game ended. I saw the car. Oh I my mean, god! Good lord! I was I was laughing so hard during that game. But uh, the thing that, that that made me smile a little bit was that, like, as I'm watching like the college football scoreboard on like, on ESPN, like I like I, I like to watch the highlights in the college football final and the highlights. And you know, it's now you know it's us Notre Dame or us no, no, us Florida State and North Carolina at the top of the at top of the ACC. Clearly, we're you know, we're all three and oh, and when you have two talking heads and you're talking to them, by the way, we got the whole team sticker on the college football final. The nice. team did, um, the helmet sticker, but when they're talking, you're like, so who's the one to say, see first guy, it's always Florida state. They don't have to play North Carolina. They don't do this. And that's guy, well, it's North Carolina. Cause they do avoid Florida state. And, it, and I'm just thinking like, first of all, we avoid both of them, by the way, on top of it, none of these three teams play each other. And yeah. And I'm like, I, I just love the fact that, you know, we go in, you know, Florida State, you know, I don't remember who down remember they beat now this week, you know, and then North Carolina beat up, a, you know, a bad Syracuse team. Here we are, the best win of all these three teams. We are the only loss to our three wins are each opponent's only ACC loss. And we're still not getting the love and respect. We're still getting all, we're, well, you know, it's going to be North Carolina and Florida State. They're on a collision course. I love it. Keep, keep talking about all the North Carolina and Florida State all you want. Because when the smoke clears, we're the ones that's going to be over there on top. Nice. I promise you. Bring it. Texture says it moved. Oh, it, it moved more times than once. Did you know, you, when you go back and watch, also the other thing that surprised me at the broadcast was when they did the tunnel and everybody's coming out, they, they emphasized so much on the Brom coming home thing. And when they're coming out, I'm like, hey, man, that's, that's Siva and Harlow. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't even bring them up. I don't think the entire like near to like the third quarter of the broadcast. Somebody probably had to get in their ear and be like, "Hey, that's I think some, a famous person." I'm amazed. Yeah, and I'm like, even I notice who he is. Like, and then of course, the rest of them, then they're like, 
Siva and Donovan Mitchell in the stands. I'm like, poor Peyton. I mean, that's Siva. Harlow and Don. Port Siva and I got, never got one name drop. He should have. I'm like, come on, man. He had a good night, though. I think they called him Donovan Mitchell at one time. That was the the Friday, the, the teasing that I was giving there was Jack Harlow, uh, Donovan, and, and the Cavs team coming. Was was what I heard. I assume yeah, so, that was, yeah. It was pretty, I was not <laughs> very thinly veiled. But Darius Garland, I guess, was there. He was there. But, yeah, I think like six or seven of them were there, yeah. which was cool. Texas says Boner City, USA. Agreed. That's us. Texas linebacker was a huge question mark coming into the year, but, man, TJ Quinn and Jalen Alderman have been nothing short of spectacular ever since the first half of the GT game. You are completely right. I mean, we were very concerned about linebacker. And the thing is, you know, I know we got Stephen Heron, who I guess technically is is a linebacker. Yeah. But the guys that we're using in the middle of this defense, they weren't, you know, quick-fix guys. We, you know, we lost Monty Montgomery to Ole Miss. And I think we all just sort of assume we've got to go out there and we've got to get a big time linebacker in the portal if we can. And instead, we've, you know, Quinn and Alderman are just two guys that have been in this program for multiple years who have stepped up and become big time players. Quinn's emergence started in the spring. He was the defensive MVP of the spring game. Alderman was, I think, still a pretty big question mark. They've both been tremendous. I mean, they, they were, the entire defense was, but they, in particular, I thought stood out a lot of times uh, on Saturday night. They were really, really good. Texas Andy Sweeney was making fun of the loser 50-year-old Louisville fans for rushing the field after a top 25 win this week. This morning here in Indianapolis, your rebuttal. That's Sweeney. He, he that's, loves, that's, yeah, that's Sweeney loves to put out uh, fake hot takes to, to get to get rushed. That's what he does. Yeah, uh, It's all good. Yeah, that's why, the, that's why he's moving up to, to larger markets when, where it's easier to do that. Texas said, I never dreamed that our uh, lines would outplay Notre Dame's on both sides of the ball. Just can't say enough good things about them. I was there, stormed the field and everything. It was one of those nights I'll carry with me until the end. The amount of pictures I've seen from people storming the field is just like, I, I want to see them all. Like, keep sending them in. The videos are great. Like, I, I, I'm digesting all the information. It was incredible. I mean, and, yeah, I'm talking about like, I mean, I'm 39. I, I saw like 50 people I knew on the field. It was great. One of our, uh, their their little, you know, goof up segment on that, sh- the, the final shows, I think it's something about giving them a dollar or something like that. And uh, one of our fans made it, who just just uh, a little heavier set fan, just plumped right over the wall and fell straight down. Dude, <laughs> it's a farther drop than I thought. I, I'm dude, I'm so glad I don't I don't remember it. I mean, I don't remember even jumping. I thought I went downstairs when I did mine. I could swore because then again, the stadium is a lot different looking in the last 21 years. So, I mean, but I yeah. That's, they showed like this, the our fans like some uh, like a teenage girl. She just like hops over and like, hey, it's not that hard. And then the next dude's like, looks like probably me at that age. He just like just tries to like go over and he slips and just goes flat straight down. So we were so a, a bunch of my friends were texting like when, when it's obvious that we're gonna win, and, and they were like, you know, we'll meet you on the field. Like we're, we're going out on the field. Meet at the beak. And so with like two minutes left in the game, I'm like, you know, we're storming the field. And and Mary and our, our friend Megan, we were there with my buddy Mud and his wife Megan and they're kind of like are you serious like they thought I was like joking for a little bit and I'm like I'm not joking I'm like, I'm like we I'm like let's go on I've never stormed a field it's time to do it this is going to happen when, when do you get another chance to really do it exactly I mean, you don't know when they, who I mean, knows yeah and you talk about like, being too old to do it now like I don't I mean, if I'm 50 I don't know if I can make that jump <laughs> yeah. but so I heard you on your podcast talking about like, oh, halfway man. down in my mind I'm going that's slow what, motion. yeah it was it's exactly what happened so we start walking down and, you know, we missed, like, we're still, like, in line to walk down when the initial field storm happens, which is incredible. Like, it was, I mean, just, the, the, it was the best field rush we've ever had. Like, immediately from all ends, everyone just sprints to the 50. The whole field's covered up almost immediately. 
So the line's like moving really fast. And I'm seeing people do this so easily. So I'm thinking what you were saying. Like, they, oh, they've got like a little step down there. It's not that far. Like, people are just kind of going over. And so we get down there. And like, I'm the one who was kind of gung ho about this. Like, like the, the other three people I'm with, like, weren't. I, I think there, like, there are steps, though, right? It just, it, there's not every entrance, I guess. There's, there's only like one place to get out. Okay. Yeah. But so, like, the other three people were kind of like, eh, you know, but like, I feel like I kind of pushed them. So I'm like, well, I've got to lead the charge here. <laughs> and I'm seeing everybody do it so easily and so quickly that I don't want to do the whole, like, I, I, I kind of like put my ass down there, like those slide down it a little doing bit. It. Yeah. So I kind of have to do like the, like, oh, yeah, this is no big deal. Like, quick, like up and over, like you're jumping a fence as a teenager. And, I'm in midair, and like I legit, I'm like, like, I'm like, if my ACL just pops when I land, <laughs> it's gonna kind of ruin what has been a pretty fantastic day and night. He carried off the field, and I'm like, oh god! And so I land, I fall on my ass after I land, because again, it was it was a large fall. I'm like, it's probably a good thing that I didn't try. How far is that little jump? Like ten feet at least, maybe five, six feet, five feet. It was probably like eight feet. If eight I feet, okay. Guess, I was gonna yeah. say, I, I, yeah, ten, 10's a pretty good jump. Ten, ten would have been two. Would have been a little bit. That would have been, yeah. But so, yeah, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, let's just get this thing going. I help Mary get down. My other friends jump on. Like, we run. It was great. Like, get, getting out there. I mean, seeing, like, running into people I knew, running into people I didn't know who were like, let's say, like, taking pictures. It was just, the whole thing was just fantastic. Like, it was everything that it, we wanted to have happen when we hired Jeff Brom 10 months ago. I almost would rather had you behind uh, Brom during the interview instead of Harlow going, he the bleep. He's the bleep. <laughs> you can just read his lips say it. Yeah, it was, which was great. Like, seeing, <laughs> seeing him do that was awesome. He's just a fan. We're all just. My mom came in the room one time. She goes, "I think I, was that Harlow I saw hanging out with Greg Brom." I'm like, "Greg's on the sideline, but I don't think he's sitting with Harlow." Well, he was behind Greg Brom at the field storm, though. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she was thinking that she was confusing just one of his his hanger ons as Greg. I think for some reason. No, oh. no, Greg's right next to Jeff. I promise you that. Yeah, we got there. There was the kid. I took the picture of that I put on Twitter yesterday of the kid who like had his seat. There was like a, there was like a seat that had made its way onto the field somehow. He's, like, sitting in the seat, and he's crowd surfing on it. Like, he almost falls over five times, and then he does just take a huge tumble. I saw him 30 minutes later carrying the seat through the parking lot. That's a chair we were going to send uh, Hartman out on in, like, the Jewish celebration. He belonged out there with us. We miss, Sam was there in spirit. But it was just, it was awesome, man. It was, it was, it was wonderful. Sam, come on out here. Don't hang out those losers in another day in the locker room. Come hang out with us. Texture says, um... Sends in a text to Sam Hartman's last two trips to Louisville, 42 of 73 for 525 yards, three touchdowns, six interceptions, and five lost fumbles. Beautiful. Jeez. Texas, my favorite part of the game that probably won't be talked about as much by others is when we trolled Notre Dame by playing, shipping up to Boston when we went up 33-13. We did do that. I noticed that, too. Okay, I did not thought about it. (laughs) I didn't even notice at the time. I didn't even think about it. I did. It caught my attention at the time. They did also announce the Kentucky final over the loudspeakers, which I which I enjoyed. They didn't. We didn't hear that on the broadcast, but the announcers didn't bring it up when because it was coming back from a break, and the announcers did point out that uh, they they gave the score and then the crowd erupted. Yeah, they, they, it was what fifty one to thirteen. Fifty one thirteen. When I heard the second I heard the PA guy come over and say final score, and I was like, here we go. I'm like, I know exactly. I've been to enough games where this has happened where I know what's what, what's going to go down. And sure enough, he announces it, and everybody cheers. It was great. Were you not following the score uh, on your phone, though? No, I knew it happened. But like, okay. when, yeah, when he came on with the the, the score, I like, like I knew exactly what he was going. Like, he wasn't going to come on and announce like, "Hey, Alabama held on for a victory over Texas A and M." Like it, you knew it was going to be the Kentucky game. They did it once when UK basketball lost to Gardner Webb, and it was like the I only highlight of the, the Steve Craig era. They're like, "Final from Rupp Arena," and I was like, "Oh boy, we're going to do this." <laughs> 
Now, did you get home in time to watch uh, the Brahma the West Jet Fish in, in, in Arizona? I did but... not. I wasn't home until like 2 a.m. That game might have still been on at that point. I think. It may have been, but I had to do the podcast. No, so, like, true, yeah. I, I, I legit walked in the door. I said goodnight to Mary and went downstairs to record the podcast. So, yeah, it was it was a lot. Texas, I bet DeAndre Moore and Ruben Owens feel bleeping stupid right now. Screw the name brands. Jeff and, Jeff said that I am the captain now. Where did DeAndre Moore go again? Didn't he end up going to USC? Did or South- Oregon. I, I know it was a Pac-10 school. We know. No, we, no, no. He went to Texas. He, he went to Texas. Oh, that's and right. And then yeah, uh, right, Ruben right. Owens went to A&M. Yeah. I don't know. And if, Owens, we know, is playing. We looked that up last week. He is. He's not playing great. No, but he's, he's like, he's, I wouldn't say the starter, but he's in rotation. He's the backup. I, I think he's the primary backup for them. Uh, I don't know if Moore is even playing at all. Uh, He's not even showing up on reference, which means he's not. It, does, it looks like he hasn't taken a snap. He, yeah, he's got no stats. Yeah. You got because you have to at least do one like one he did play. A, he apparently appeared in the Baylor game, but he has no stats. Well, that's a shame. I mean, wide receivers don't get on the field as quickly as running backs do as true freshmen, but still. Texas, as a kid, I froze my ass off many days on aluminum bleachers at Cardinal Stadium, and I loved the Brahms. Nonetheless, I was mad at people who talked about Jeff Brom all the time instead of trying to get behind Satterfield. I'm happy to admit you were right to do so, and I was wrong to be mad. It finally feels like we are actually on the collision course. It does, doesn't it? Does. I mean, that's the, and that's the thing is, it didn't feel like last night was just about this group, right? It's great to be six and zero. It's great to be back in the top fifteen for the first time since Lamar Jackson was here. It's great to be, and this is what like like what I was talking about last week. It is going to happen now. It's already happening. We're seeing the stories out there that are like. Could Louisville be this year's TCU? I saw College Football News put that out this morning. You know, we're, we're the talk of the a lot of the national college football shows. We're getting talk about could they win the ACC championship game? Their path, like all this stuff is happening, and that's awesome. But Saturday night also was a like the, the first sign that this could be the first time since all of us have been U of L football fans that we get that sustained level of success that has always seemed so fleeting. When I talked about us being a program that has flirted with, you know, you know, we've been a top ten team twice in final polls. We've been talked about in the college football playoff. You know, we were the, the number four, number five late in the season in 2016. Uh, preseason, a lot of love in, in 2017. All that stuff. It's always been flash in the pan. It's always been, hey, Petrino gets us on the verge of playing for a national championship. Boom, he's gone to the Falcons. Strong gets us back into national relevance, winning Sugar Bowls, getting Teddy Bridgewater, boom, he's gone for Texas. Petrino comes back. We've got Lamar Jackson. We're winning Heisman trophies. We're fine. Boom, he suddenly stops trying, and we go 2-10. I I think that we've been preconditioned to believe that if we're going to be good at football, it's going to be for a three-, four-year window, and then the head coach is going to bounce. We thought Charlie Strong... Had every reason in the world to stick around. He did. He chose not to. Went poorly for him. Went poorly for us. I think now you have this. It feels attainable for the first time. Because Jeff Brom, unless something crazy happens, he's not going anywhere. At least not anytime soon. And he does seem to have the chops. He does seem to have the staff. That can get us to where we all want this program to get. What we've dreamt about. And that's not just for this year. It's for the coming seasons. And I think that's exactly why the the overwhelming feeling on Saturday was just so magnificent and so momentous. It wasn't just like, hey, we're 6-0. and 
think about what we could do this year. It was like, my God, the Jeff Brom era is here. I, I posted that video, and I'll give Patrick, uh, Patrick props uh, at 680, Patrick Ryan. He was, yeah, he, Patrick does this thing where he just sneaks into everywhere. He, he's just, he, he's everywhere. But he was with Jack Harlow after the game, and he's got, he's, he, Harlow's holding up the Patrick's Let's Play Football Jeff Brom shirt. And Harlow's like, it's the effing Brom era. It's the effing Brom era. And like, I'm like, that's, it sums it up perfectly. Like, that's my emotion right now. That's my feeling right now. It's the bleeping Brom era. We've been waiting for this for so long. It's here. It's just as good as we want. Put that to on a shirt. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd buy that shirt. I'd buy that shirt. I'd get that tattoo, maybe. Crop Patrick out of the picture. We go undefeated. We, 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 you get a tattoo of me. Says it's the Brom era. If we win the national title this win year, win national title. I'll get it. It's the it's the bleeping Brom era tattoo. <laughs> now, because if we go into the UK game undefeated, we're already gotten a body paint. Well, yeah, we gotta show up to do that. That's fine. It was a lot more realistic today than it did last week when I agreed to it. <laughs> Texas, it was awesome when the entire stadium kept singing Mr. Brightside when the music went off. It was, I kind of wanted to go a little bit longer. I wanted to do, like, the, um... There was an, I thought there was another song we did that, too, as well. Well, the Colorado Avalanche do the thing where they do the Blink-182 song. Uh, Say it ain't so, I will well, not yeah. go. And, like, that's become the thing, I think, at the start of the third period, the first break. Like, the music goes off, and they just keep singing the words. And we kind of did that with Mr. Brightside on... On Saturday. Was that the song? I guess well, I was thinking it was a different song we did, but I did notice that too that we kept singing along at one point with the song. It was cool. It was fun. I think it's always cool when you do that. They do the wrestling crowds have been doing that for a while too. Texas, my voice is still absolutely destroyed from screaming, but the few times I had to stop to breathe, the noise was unreal, just unbelievably loud. It was I've never been in a a, a louder Louisville environment. I've been in very few environments, period, that have been that consistently loud. Like every third down, every I mean I knew it was going to be a good night when I walked up to my buddy's section and the guy directly in front of us, he's got his kid is wearing the, like the car chronicle bird mask. He's shirtless and just swinging his shirt. It's like 30 minutes before kickoff. He's just like, just going nuts. And the guy ended up, it's a uh, Lord Chewy on Twitter. Who's he's like, followed me for years. I've interacted with him for years. And eventually like in the third quarter, like turns around, like introduces himself. And uh, I'm like, I'm like this is incredible. I'm like this is, this is the vibes were right right from the get go. What was the temperature? Because I, I, I know it was chilly. It's been chilly this weekend. I've had my window open, air turned off, but I was you know I was indoors. It was a little chilly for the most part. I saw Harlow like with the you know the the, the starter jacket all zipped up completely. So I figured it had a little bit of a, a chill in the air. Here was my problem. Like it was it was warm when we left to go pick up my buddies and, and then go tailgate. And so I just rocked the the, the sweatshirt that I the, the retro U of L sweatshirt and like jeans and I had and, like I. I was like, I'm worried I'm gonna be a little bit too warm when we're tailgating here. And Mary's like, you need to bring a coat. You need to bring a coat. Like she's doing the mom thing, and like I'm doing the whole like <laughs> I'm I'm fine. Don't worry about it. We're about to leave. Have you peedled yet? And when the sun, <laughs> when the sun like went away during the tailgate, I was like, oh bleep, she was right. Get <laughs> cold. I can't admit it. Like at this point, like I'm I'm too entrenched. I'm like I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But the game excitement's probably got the body heat going. It helped. So, yeah. But I also mud brought hand warmers, and he gave me one. Like right when I got the hand warmer, is when we started. Bad? It was pretty cold. You get, you get you're sensitive to the cold more than I am, though. So. I don't know. I mean, well, maybe you, do, you get cold like in the studio. And like when we over Jeff, I'd turn the air on. You get you'd put on a sweatshirt. I'm sitting there taking clothes I'm off. I'm sweating now. I mean, it's it's hot. It's here hot today. here. I got the window open. I was a little worried to do it with the, but, the outside noise. Like I also was like the only person around that didn't have a, a, a coat on. Like I, I like <laughs> yeah. everybody else had coats. Everyone else had gloves. They had like the warm hats. But Mud handed me a hand warmer. And right when I started using the hand warmer, we, it's, it's when Jawar had the long touchdown run. Nice. And I was like, here we go. Like, the hand warmer saved the entire night. I God, still have went, a hand warmer. You went pretty far without using the hand warmer. Oh, I just, yeah, I, basically, even when I wasn't using it, I just, like, kept it in my hands. I'm, I'm 
If you didn't know this, I'm very superstitious. <laughs> I'm just a little superstitious. superstitious. Well, what I, what I said was going to happen almost happened. We read a, a handful of texts there. We now have one fewer than we did when we I'll started. I'd say we segment. do. I'm looking at the number now, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more from you on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show celebrating a big win over Notre Dame here on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Back in Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1459 one the Big X. The Thornton sex line number is 502-414-1450. A lot of celebrations. I think they know that. Well, I would hope so. If not, if you want to get in, you know, wait your turn line. It's going to be like getting out of the UofL parking lot after that game on Saturday night. It's going to take a while, but ultimately, it's going to be Did worth I get props for using newer, newer music today? I liked it. Do you know who that is? Uh, it sounds like Jules Santana. Who is that? I don't know. I've never heard of a Papoose. I have no idea, Papu. I don't know, but he's he's born to win, and I like, and so are we. So damn right. <laughs> but, it's, but like the YouTube video says, it just came out like well, no, sixteen years ago. Never mind. The one before that, I only said two years. <laughs> the video I put the song I played before that, I don't even know who it was either. Uh, before I played it, um, Sai Unstoppable. See it. It was Sai. <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> but. But when I, when I loaded it, I was, like, proud. I'm like, huh, it says the video's only two years old. I'm like, cool. Uh, 502-414-14. Let's go back to the, the Thornton Stocks line here. We'll get to as many as we can to wrap up the hour Hour number two. Next hour, I want to talk about what this means for us going forward. I, I want to look ahead a little bit, not just to pit, but what's at stake now as we look at the rest of the season. But for now, it's back to the text line. Texas, some people make booty calls when they're drunk after a big win at 1 in the morning. I messaged a podcaster, where is the pod on IG? I'm sorry for the over-aggressiveness, Mike. <laughs> I was just excited. But don't worry. I had three people, two of which I don't know, leave me voicemails <laughs> after the game. One, My buddy, uh, Ryan Keeling, like, left me this, this very drunken voicemail at midnight. It was, I, I mean, I, was good. I, I, I welcomed all the getting hit up. It was wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I'm proud to say I was not one of them. You didn't. I, we, we texted I texted a little you a bit. couple, but even when I was texting, I knew I was like, "He's at the game." My service was terrible. Oh, I imagine too. it was yeah. too. So I was like, "I'm not gonna." I think, yeah, I think I sent you like three texts during the entire game. I was like, I, "I'm not gonna." Yeah, texts were oh, texts were hit or miss. I, I, thankfully, like my Twitter was working most of the time, but like I couldn't. It was one of those two where like I guess some of the texts weren't going through and some of the other stuff. So like I got in the car and it was still pretty bad. And then at one point, like out of nowhere, it was like doo 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 I was like, "Oh God, here we go." Uh, which was it, it was awesome. Scooby Doo ending. Exactly. Texas. One of my favorite moments while watching the game on TV was when they played Dropkick Murphys after the last field goal. What was it like in the stadium when they did that? Great trolling by the DJ. Yeah, I mean, it had that was I mean, that was clear. Oh, it, yeah. it definitely was. I didn't realize it at the time. I was just you know drunken on, on Jeff, like just so excited. But like, it was the place was definitely going nuts. No, I, I I caught it. Too. I was like, I remember thinking myself like the only thing that would have been better maybe do like a Rudy theme song or something. If they just played the Rudy music, I would have. Or if they played like the Who's the Wild Man Now clip at the very Who's end. Who's the Wild Man Now? That's my son out there. 
<laughs> I still wish they had played the the, the, the coach's speech because I mean it was our house. It would have been great. I mean, how fitting would that have been? By the way, we had you know Danny who did the podcast with was in studio on Wednesday, and we talked about how you know his oldest son. We basically were playing for his fandom. We were. How, and he, he now he now has two Louisville tattoos, right? Nobody had a better night than Camden Sennard. Like he, yeah. Danny did a video after the 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 first Jawar touchdown where Cam like shoves a funnel cake in his mouth and does like a wrestling thing where like throws the powdered sugar up and he's like spits, he's like screaming and flexing. Uh, he was contest. That's gonna look really weird. His poor kid's got white stuff all over his face and going inside. Oh no, it was great. Like he, <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, then they stormed the field after the game. He, he got a picture with Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, he, he, Danny's brother, put him in the walls of Jericho in the end zone. Like <laughs> they, they, it was, it was, it was awesome. Like he had a a fantastic. I mean, he slept till like ten o'clock the next day. Uh, it was it, it was awesome. Hey, so did I almost. And and uh, Danny's dad did more than Notre Dame, and his mom did too. I don't know. Yeah, family rivalry. Yeah, but then I mean, I was kind of happy that we did Notre Dame. What Danny's dad did to him quietly behind the uh, closed doors for you know. Texas. Can we discuss Tessitore doubling down on Brownlees instead of Brownlee multiple times throughout the broadcast? Did he call him Jarvis Brownlees? I guess I don't. I don't notice that as much as some people do. I guess Texas. I've Amazing been to. I've noticed all the other little quirks about the game. Texas, I've been to 11 college football stadiums for games, including some of the most prestigious football programs in the country. That atmosphere on Saturday was as good as any I've ever been in. After five or six years of putting up with a lack of excitement around Louisville Athletics, seeing the atmosphere and feeling the aura around the stadium five or six minutes before the game even started just about brought a tear to my eye. It was college football perfection. It was, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, the best we've, the first time since 16, right? What do you mean? That we've had a crowd of that magnitude. I would say seventeen against Clemson was really, really good. Okay, but it also night games also bring a different down. aura than. And that was a seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a seven thirty primetime game on ABC. Like that environment was awesome until they went up like twenty one seven, and it was obvious that our defense wasn't going to stop them. I would have liked to maybe the Florida State game been a night game, but then the, I don't know. It, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I mean the crowd was awesome for that Florida State game too. But you do get a different feel of the crowd when it's nighttime. When we went into the stadium, I heard a couple other people say that the same thing happened to them. Like the the, the girl like couldn't get my digital ticket to scan, and I you know I have two, and she's like I only need to get one of them. And I was like, well, I don't. I was like, I kind of want the numbers to count. Like you know, I'm like I'm, I'm trying to get, <laughs> we're trying to get this thing as close to sixty one thousand as possible. You're the, like the only person in line I think to think that way. But okay, get... no, I mean other people said the same thing. They were like, I, right. there was one person who was like, I demanded that she scan both because I, I wanted the, the numbers to count. Nice. I, I wouldn't even go that far because I wanted to just make sure I got into the stadium. True, but, but yeah. it was yeah you because know, I, I was expecting. I mean, there were I you couldn't see an empty seat. And if there were a few at the top, the, the the party deck was still full as well. Like that place had to have been over capacity. Like I don't think you can get that building any more crowded. Good. It was awesome. Texas, can we talk about the amount of excuses that the announcers gave Notre Dame towards the end of the game? Uh, they had midterms this week. Oh, that Are was you a good one. Me? Yeah, give us some credit for outplaying them. Do you think our guys don't also have classes? Did they actually yeah, say yeah, that? They did. I got. To, yeah, I saw somebody say that online. I thought it was a joke. No, the yeah, it was just, I think one test tour it was the uh, the other guy that did it. Uh, I'm John Blank who was in there with the Jordan Palmer. Yeah, no Jordan. Uh, uh, not Palmer. Rogers. Rogers. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Theron's brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. I told you last week I met him. What an impression. Yeah, he, he didn't didn't move the needle. Wasn't impressed, <laughs> but yeah, he yeah he was him. that was like, you know, they've got a lot of uh, they, they, had, they, they had these night games and they're not getting home till so and so, and they've got midterms this week, and then they didn't have to get on. back to practice. I'm like, classic Notre Dame problem. Seriously, yeah, Notre Dame midterm. <laughs> they've got some. Like the texture says we didn't have midterms too. You don't think? 
They've got community service to do in the morning. You know, yeah. They're, they're outreach with a, a local uh, animal shelter. I think that's what Sam Hartman does on his Sunday mornings. They've got a lot on their mind. It just made me think like up. the Dr. Pepper commercial, the new one, where like, we still recruit you. Our st- we know we have higher academic standards. Get out of my face with that. Texas yeah, that says, it was, and it was near the end of the game, too, so it was very. We yeah. have midterms. They had midterms this week. <laughs> Shut the bleep up. <laughs> Get the. I really want to cuss right, but real badly right now. That's, that's outrageous. <laughs> hold on. Hold it, hold it back. <laughs> Texas says, despite the success we've had in football this year, I still really haven't let myself fully get excited about this team in Brom. Given the past few years of total disappointment in basketball and solid mediocrity in football, I was still always waiting for that other shoe to drop this year and wasn't able to be anything other than cautiously optimistic. Well, that's totally out the window now. I'm fully bought in and expecting nothing but greatness. Playoffs, here we come. Let's go, baby. The cards are back. I'm with him. I listen. I, I, I yet to know what it that feels like to taste football defeat this year in both pro and collegiate. You've forgotten what, if, what, what like uh, everything about it. I text, You're not gonna. You don't know how to lose. I texted my buddy's Bengals fan like yesterday afternoon. I was like, "What's that feel like to lose a, call, a football game?" He's just like, "I hate you right now. This is gonna be a long year. You're living the life right now." I was like, "Yeah, it's gonna be a really long year, buddy." Uh, I am. I mean, it's just. I'm. I was. I'm kind of. I mean. I. Yeah. I'm. I'm drinking the. Because you're drinking the whole thing, Kool Aid. And of course, I sent him a picture of me, Kool Aid drumping to the wall. I'm like, here I am. That's. But that's. Yeah. Why I wouldn't am. you right now? I mean, why? I have a why reason would, to. If you're gonna like, like, what reason would you give a Louisville fan right now for being like, hold on, hold no, on? No, but especially after watching Miami lose to Georgia Tech. I mean, that was the game. Like, Duke and Georgia and Miami were the ones we had circled. Now I know that this doesn't mean we can't just overlook going at Pitt or. Virginia, Virginia still State. worried about Miami, but yeah, but yeah, but I mean, but you, when you're you're on this this high of what you your win, and then you turn it on and you see, you know, you know, this is by the way we just beat the team that you know beat Duke, the team we got to play. Plus, we're seeing Miami lose to Georgia Tech, a team that we going after last week thought maybe that maybe that we, that win was wasn't a very good one. They, just, they almost lost to whoever scrub it was last week. Then they go down to Miami and beat Miami. Now, I understand Miami. Should have won the game, but still, Georgia Tech was in that game the entire time. Here's my, this is my big hope for Monday, October 9th. And like, don't get me wrong, we're gonna talk more about Pitt as the week goes on. But let's let's hope that we take care of business on Saturday at Pitt. Yeah, don't worry, Greer, we'll remember you. On October 20th, Duke's gonna come here. It's gonna be a huge game. I think it's you know, we'll see if Duke's still nationally ranked. They've got a couple of big games before they play us. They play FSU. Um, you know, if they win, obviously they're they're gonna be. Highly ranked. If they don't, they'll still have a chance to hang out at the top 20. But regardless of, of that, it's going to be a big game. Yes. I'm not going to sit here. I always talk about how I don't tell people how to fan. We don't know the time for that, dude. We don't. We? I'm not going to sit here and pr- pretend that the stadium for that game is going to be what it was two nights ago for Notre Dame. But if we're serious about Brom taking us to that next level, the sustained success, all that stuff that I was talking about earlier, we need to make that a hostile environment. Like, like we need again. I'm not expecting it to be sold out. It's not going to be everyone standing for full four quarters and screaming the entire time. All that stuff. I get that. I've I followed enough Louisville football to, to to understand. It needs to at least be a place that's very difficult to play. We need to send a message to the the, the team that this isn't just going to be the Notre Dame's of the world when we show up and go crazy. Like we're going to be may not may not be quite like that every single week. But we will be out there. We will be doing the mo- the best we can to win a conference championship and help you guys in any way that you want. Like that needs to be a good environment for that game. They've earned that much. I mean, I don't know. Duke, Duke 
wins their next two games, NC State, and of course the big one at Florida State before they play us. And they come into us, and that's that. I mean, they're going to be, we're going to both be near the top ten, and that's going to be a prime. I mean, I can not be surprised. That's not a prime time game, nighttime mm-hmm. again. It's, I, I get, yeah. I'm not saying you have to have the same atmosphere as Notre Dame, but it needs to be. I'd good. be damned. It can be damn close. It should be. I mean, like but- I don't want to see any stripes. I don't want to see any. I, I I don't I want I want to see it. I want to see it to be it may not be 100 percent Notre Dame but I like to be close to like 96 percent. I'd like it, it should be. I don't think it it should be. I don't think it will be. I mean you have that peripheral friend that we always talk about that just doesn't matter if Duke's unbeaten they're not going to show up the same way that they show up for Notre Dame. Yeah. But it's that, that's a if we want to get to where we we want to go this season. Yeah. I mean we're, that game's going to be a huge huge part of whatever path we take. I mean, I don't know how things are going to go, but yeah, they, we could easily be maybe 10th. They'd be their 12th. I mean, right now we're 14 and 17. They win their two games, including Florida State. I mean, they may even jump us for God's yeah. sakes. Texas, I didn't like the Evan Conley package very much, but I kept thinking Jeff was trying to set up a trick play for later in the game, but we just ended up not needing it. Now he might be able to use a trick play from that package later in the season when we do need it. Uh, the first Evan Conley one I didn't mind. The second one was really kind of confusing. The second one, I was, I was, that was the most upset I got the entire. That game. was, like, I was like, why are you doing like, the first one? I guess, I mean, it made a little sense, I guess, and he explained it in a post game that that, you know, he wanted to call that play the plays that were, were designed for that, and he didn't want Plummer to take any extra hits. But I mean, it's just like if he's going in, it's obvious, right? You know, he did use him earlier in the season, I think, in the Georgia Tech game on a like a, a first and goal he play did. for the four, and I thought it was because Plummer's helmet had come off, and it turns out that that wasn't the case. They just used him in that pack. They, they like using him in short yardage packages. And, you know, the announcers, I did catch that when I, I got like a, a quarter into the broadcast. The first time they ran that play with Conley, they were like, we've seen that a lot in practice, and Brom likes using him on these situations. But when he ran it on third and short at a critical point in the game with, like, no running back back there, no no one to fake the ball to, I was like, okay. I mean, like, you know. He's going to throw it out. I like He's it. throw it eventually out of that pack. I, I like Evan Conley. We've seen him make some plays with his feet at times. He's not Malik Cunningham. Like, like w- w- what are we doing here? The, the second time it happened, I was like, okay, <laughs> let's just let's put the kibosh on this. I don't want to see this again. You know, offense, might as well run a wildcat and put like thrash or something back. There. Well, that's pretty much what we did the second time. We we yeah. had, we it was, but we did it with Conley. Texas says um, one player that I would like to see get more praise is Ramon Perrier. He's made a big play in every victory this season. At Georgia Tech, he got a pick. NC State, he got the quarterback pressure to seal the game. Notre Dame, he got a sack and a fumble recovery. He was big. Please put some respect on Perrier. And you know what he is? Another former walk-on. that got. A, this is what we do that Notre Dame could never do. We take walk-ons that are actually good, we put them on scholarship, and we turn them into all-conference players. You let them play one game against Georgia Tech and carry them off the field as a semi-joke. So, suck it. Texture says, uh, lastly, there was a play where we scored a TD and got a penalty and it got called back, and I told fans around me, that's all right, watch this. We're going to score on this next play anyway. And that's exactly what we did. That didn't happen during the game, did it? I don't remember TD being called back, no. Yeah, I don't think that happened. We all were pretty drunk. I mean, I wasn't drunk, but I was pretty pretty, pretty fried. I mean, I don't remember. I don't think that happened. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, Texter, though. Texter says, I had a group of v- <laughs> 10 very arrogant Notre Dame fans in the row behind me. Brom humbled them very quickly. What a night. Oh, what a night. They were very arrogant. I mean, in October, we beat Notre Dame's butt. Texas, let's go. Cards. Rudy was a bleeping dork. <laughs> well, he was kind of a dork. Um, one of my buddies, is, actually, it's a fellow journalist. I say fellow journalist. He's an actual journalist. I, I'm not. 
Uh, he no, messaged, you're, you're, don't sell I'm yourself not. short. He messaged me after the game. And I, I've actually put the, the the text on Twitter where he was like, I was in the bathroom, and out of nowhere, this guy goes, who else here thinks Rudy's dad was <laughs> was a D? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, go get him. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that one. It was great. Uh, yeah, and then the one guy, I, I, th- I told the story in the podcast, I, but the, yeah. the other guy in the bathroom <laughs> who identified himself, I think his name is Dylan, on Twitter today was wonderful, where he's like, the, the bathroom line, I've never seen a longer bathroom line. Like, it's snaked around the entire stadium. I love the, the way you talk. I don't know if you, you can't tell the story the same way you I can't, did. Yeah, yeah. it's it'd be very hard to tell the story. But it was the bathroom was very crowded. The line was moving slowly. And this guy's like, he basically blamed it on Notre Dame fans that were taking well, dumps at halftime. I thought they were full of bleep or something. No, he said they're, they're taking these bleeps in, in here, the S word. And he's like saying, he's like, all these Notre Dame fans bleeping in here is what's causing everything to be so long. And then he like looks over. He's, I'm on the other side of the bathroom, and he's like, he's like, we got Mike Rutherford in here. And he's like, Mike, what do you think about all these Notre Dame fans taking these <laughs> in here? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what to say. I love the way your version of the story is like, this guy's sitting there talking to me. I'm over here at the portable trying to. It was my with my D in my hand. My penis is in my hand the entire yeah, time. He's just like, <laughs> he ends up walking over to wash his hands. He's like, Mike, next podcast, talk about all these Notre Dame fans that are <laughs> crapping in the bed. I'm like. I got you, buddy. Don't don't worry about it. I'll bring it up. It was a wonderful. And then like all these people are like, "Yeah, Mike, what do you think about being called out like that?" I'm like, "Can we please stop talking to me while I'm trying to pee?" Like, <laughs> I haven't even tucked it away yet. I'm like, this is also a. I'm, I, I feel like I'm taking a very long pee. Uh, and now people are starting to notice that how long it's taking because I'm still here at the I'm, urinal. I'm asking if I have. I think people. Are, yeah, people are wondering if I've got like a, a public issue with it. I'm like, no, I just really had to pee. We whoop Notre Dame. You want to check on that prostate there, uh, Mike? I probably do. I take the longest pisses alive. It's terrible. Texture says, uh, how quickly do schools come calling for Coach Brom in December? He's not going anywhere. I didn't call it all they want. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, it takes now, we, we may, now, I'm curious if, if, we, if, there's, if we lose possibly your, your buddy, though. Brian, I think we'll go somewhere. Yeah, and I wouldn't blame him for wanting to, to, to experience a different place before you know maybe making another move. Well, I think he's ready to be head coach. You know, he was on the short list for, like, Western was looking at him. I think he would have taken that job. And Purdue even looked at him, didn't they? they, they there was talk about that. Yeah. I think his next stop, I, I think he'll stay here until he gets a head coaching job. And I think he will in the next probably three years. I just hope he's not done just jump at the next job. Just like his brother. Jeff was very picky when he when he did his decisioning, and it worked out in the long run very well. For, for sure. I mean, hell, he turned down Bama at one point. Twice. Yeah. To stay at Louisville. And then we... We fired him because Steve Crackthorpe was an idiot. <laughs> Texas says we need to get Gatewood more touches. That guy could be a weapon for us. He oh, had a catch. I loved the Joey Gatewood catch. I, I thought of you when he caught that. When he made the catch, because I was like, I was like, which tight end was that? I'm like, I didn't know that Lipson or, or Kariski could get up like that. And they, they said Joey Gatewood, and I was like, oh my, here we go. I think this, I think they're still in a position where they can only use him on in certain pass packages because I don't think he's, they don't trust him enough as a run blocker just yet, but. He's a weapon, and and the the deeper we get in the season, the more comfortable he gets. The more I think you're going to see him show up, um, and, and make some big plays because that was a hell of a catch. Nothing to add. No, I got distracted because that same texture line. I don't know what it was. Something somebody just replied to like this is Trevor's fault. Back in August, I'm like, what what would I do? <laughs> I don't like you looking at the text line. I know, I know. Texas Louisville's undefeated against Notre Dame when they're not coached by Scott Satterfield. That's a great point. Oh, I was reading the wrong text. <laughs> Trevor, just stop reading the text line. Also, well, well we also got to get to yes. break, too. But undefeated against Notre Dame when not coached by Scott Satterfield. That's right. That's a great point. 2-0. We play them next year on the road in South Bend. We'll go to 3-0.
All right, uh, five o'clock hour. Lose him again. Five o'clock hours on the way next. We'll take more text. We'll also talk more about what this thing means, big picture for the rest of the season. God, this has been a fast two hours. It's it's a lot more fun and a lot faster when you know when you love what you're talking about. Mike Rutherford show continues next here on the Big Ups. Couldn't use any of like the more modern upbeat things for a five o'clock hour. Nothing's gonna stop Rom now. And if this world runs out of opponents, we'll still win a game. Nothing's gonna stop Rom. Nothing's gonna stop Rom now. Ooh. Perpetually stuck in 1987 is Trevor Kelsey and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish football program. Hey, the last time, the last title was '88. Uh, we're back here, Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450-961, the Big X. Final hour here as we've been celebrating. The text line has blown up. Uh, I gave you Sia. And yeah, that was, was fine. I mean, I, I appreciated the rap, but 5 o'clock hour. People are getting their cars. They, they're tuning in. They haven't had a chance to listen to the first two hours. They want to get hyped up, and you're hitting them with, I mean, 1984. And they're not ha- They're not hyped by Starship? They're never going to stop? It's going to stop us now? They're not. Do they have no soul? I guess they don't. Dude, what has life beaten them to such a bloody pulp that they have, no, have nothing left? Five o'clock hour here. We're going to, we, 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 I mean, we spent the first hour talking about what exactly went down on Saturday. Personal experiences, the game, all that good stuff. Last hour, we took a lot of texts. We're going to try to get to as many texts as we can this hour. But I, I think I, we'd be remiss if we didn't spend at least a little bit of time talking about what this could mean for the rest of the season. And what we talked about happening last week if we won this game has already started to happen. It's gone from the national narrative of Louisville's 5-0. and It's a great little story under Jeff Brom, but they're finally taking a step up in weight class, and we're going to see them get exposed a little bit on Saturday night. It's a, it's a, it's a cute team, maybe a top 25 team, but not a legitimate contender. To the total 180 of 48 hours later, this could be this year's TCU. 6-0, and unbeaten conference play, favorable schedule. If they win a conference championship game against potentially Florida State, we'll see who else could, uh, you know, North Carolina could sneak in there as well. This could be a playoff team. You've got bowl projections out there from multiple sites that have us going to play in the Orange Bowl. You know, being the, if Florida State goes to the playoff, we're the ACC representative for the, the their January, January 1st game. You've got Andy Staples out there saying that, you know, forget about just being a 6-0 team that's in the top 15 right now. They've got the seventh best resume in all of college football. You've got the FBI out there saying there's a 75% chance that this team wins at least 10 games this season. Louisville's 6-0. and They have a remaining schedule that features three teams that I think we can say are not good. I'm not saying they can't beat Louisville, but I'm saying that their Pitt, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are not good football teams. If we are worthy of being in the ACC title game discussion or I feel weird even saying it, the college football playoff discussion, we should take care of business against those three teams. You've got a game against Miami on the road that I think I'm still nervous about it. I'm still worried about it. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't 
at least a little bit encouraged by the fact that they got beaten by Georgia Tech at home. And like you said, the end of the game was, you know, what do you say? It was something for sure. Uh, I, I would be, I don't care how many, like, I don't care if my team's undefeated. If Jeff Brom had done that, and that's how we lost Notre Dame, I, I would have been calling for him to be fired. Like, you, you, you just, you cannot get away with not taking a knee when you have a chance to win a game and then ultimately losing that game. But the fact that the game had been so competitive up to that point, the fact that it had seemed like it was a game that Miami was going to be lucky to win against a team that we have beaten basically on the road in Georgia Tech makes me feel a little bit better about that game. You've got Duke coming to town in three weeks. Duke's good. They also lost the team that we just kind of dominated for four quarters. And then you've got Kentucky. We don't have to have their quarterback either. Yeah, you have Riley Leonard. And even if he does play, it's probably going to be his first game back. Maybe he's a little bit dinged up. And we're coming off of a bye week for that game. That's going to help a lot too. Timing with the schedule has been, let's be real, it's been very beneficial to us. And then you've got Kentucky, who has had their way with us for the last four years, who is still a top 25 team, but who looked like they were playing a different sport than Georgia on Saturday night. Let's just call a spade a spade. They looked wildly inferior, not just inferior, which is fine. They've, they've won two straight national titles. But like they were, again, playing a different sport. That has to make you feel a little bit. Devin Leary has not been what they thought he was going to be. He hasn't been what I thought he, he was going to be. And we get that game at home. Bring that same type of environment that we had on, on Saturday against Notre Dame. I think that helps you out a lot, too, in that game. My point is this. I'm not trying to look ahead. It's very hard not to look ahead a little bit right now and say, my goodness, this has gone from, I think Jeff Brom could hit the ground running in year one and put out a product there that we're very excited about that could show us a glimpse of what he can do when he gets even more of his guys in town uh, in the future to all of a sudden us looking at this and saying, like, this has a very real chance to be a special season. Whatever your definition of that is, it has a chance to fit that definition. And I didn't know if it was possible going into this year, but to be sitting here at 6-0 and and coming off of easily the most impressive performance of the year against what could be the best team on our schedule is insanely encouraging. There's no way, I mean, we have Pitt this weekend. I still think not looking past them is going to be a challenge. It's on the road. It's going to be rainy, apparently, according to the, the weather forecast. They're being on the road worries me as much as anything. And it's hard to get hyped up in that environment. You know, all that stuff. It plays a factor. I think you also have to look at, I mean, Brom said himself after the game. He said, I, you know, I've beaten, he said I've, I've won three top five games. I think they've won, he's won two, but it'd be like a, a number seven team as well. And in all three of those instances, Purdue came back the next week and lost to somebody. He said, I, I know what it's like to be here. I can help them stay focused. It's still going to be a challenge. But if you do take care of business on the road against Pitt, who's been bad so far, you have a bye week. Like, we get to go deep into October, basically into Halloween weekend, with Louisville being discussed as a realistic threat to crash the college football playoff and a realistic threat to win the ACC championship. I mean, this is... Stop talking, dude. I can't take it anymore. I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can only get so erect. It's, I mean, I've already got... I feel like I popped six Viagra over here, man. Come on. Like, we have to... Like, like, like you are... You're not human if you're not letting your mind at least go to that place a little bit right now, right? Got to KP press conference just to bring it down some. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> this is... I, I said this at the end of the podcast on on the early mornings of Sunday, the early hours of Sunday morning. 
we, like the last seven years, let's be real about it. It's been tough. You know, we had basically since Lamar Jackson left and before Lamar Jackson left for basketball, we've gone through some some rough times. And it's been like I remember having the conversation with you at the halftime of the Georgia Tech game where I'm like, are, like is this how it's just always going to be? Like, are we just never going to be happy again when it comes to sports? Like, we've all kind of had that thought. We, yeah, you know, we expected whatever the residual effect of the things that took place within the basketball program and then some of the, you know, on-field stuff that took place in the football program to be more short-lived than it's been. We don't know what's going to happen with basketball. Football, right now, this feels like an earned moment for all of us. Being 6-0, and having everything within our grasp for the rest of the season, and then even if we do drop a couple of games or, you know, we finish 9-3, and we finish 8-4, and whatever may happen, whatever would seem like a disaster in this moment, I think that we've seen enough at this point to feel wildly optimistic about the future of this program under Jeff Brom. And that's what a win like Saturday does. I mean, let's say we do slip up against, whether it's Pitt or Duke or, or whoever. I think winning that game on Saturday the way that we did against Notre Dame still makes you so excited about the future because we know that these types of events, these types of games, these types of nights are possible. It got to a point under Scott Satterfield where we had so many letdowns and so much just, eh, good but not great or bad but not terrible, just toiling in mediocrity for four years that we got to a point where it was like, I just... I didn't expect really good things to happen. When we had had a spot to beat Clemson or had a chance to beat a good Florida State team or had a chance to do this or do that, to be competitive with Kentucky, it just never happened. Saturday night gave us tangible proof that these types of games, these types of events for us are going to become more of the norm than they have been in a long time. And if we can stretch it all out to an entire season where we are consistent on a week-to-week basis, even better. And that's what has me, has me so excited about the second half of this season is as good as we were against Notre Dame, we've had games before this where it's, it's come down to who can go make a play. We didn't play great against Georgia Tech for a quarter, for sure. We didn't play great against Indiana in the second half. The offense didn't do anything against NC State. They still found ways to win. And all three of those games, it felt like at points in time in the past, whether it was under Petrino or under Satterfield or under whoever, that we lose at least one of those games. If not all. If not all of them. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think that people have asked the question, but like, it's very real that if, if we had not had a coaching change and we had all the same players, all the same situations, that we're 4-2 and two or 3-3 three and three right now. I mean, hell, we could be 2-4 and four right now. We're not. We're 6-0. and oh. I'm poor, not. Poor Murray's the only one unquestionable. <laughs> and Boston College. That's true, yeah. But yeah Murray, I don't know. Boston, we lost to Boston College last year. We did, and, and it Wildly improbable fast. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know about it. I think Murray might be the only safe one. For everybody out there who's saying, whether they're a UofL fan or a rival fan or whoever, who's saying, pump the brakes, slow down. Oh, no. I cut the brakes. Give those people the middle finger. We have earned the rights to dream big right now. We have earned the rights to be a little bit, if you want to say delusional, a little bit delusional. Right now, everything is within grasp. That's all you ask for when you get to the midpoint of the season. You want all your dreams to be still at play. All of our dreams are very much real. I'm dreaming big right now. I'm I'm thinking crazy thoughts. You should be too. I'm thinking bowl championship series or tournament or whatever it's called. It's not that hard to remember. It's the playoff. Just it's it's the playoff. It's like every other sport. It's playoff. 
Well, you know what? I never never near it. Now I'm going to go to it, so I'll know the name of it. Now we'll learn the name of it now that we actually have a a real chance to go there. The playoff, baby. My buddy yesterday was like, I'm I'm on the road for my work eight of the next nine weeks. It's going to be a tough end of the year. I'm like, well, you're going to start the year with a couple of trips uh, off off the road because we're going to the playoff for two straight games. When is the play? When when do we go to the playoff? That's is in January first, right? I think this year it's the I think it's back to being the two games on New Year's Eve. Okay, they took it off January first, thankfully, or whatever. Uh, or was it New Year's Eve? No, no, New Year's Eve is when people hated it. I still yeah, I do. Kind this of year so. it's on. Um, Uh, it is, yeah, January, it's on New Year's Day this year, the Rose and Sugar Bowl, and then the championship game is a week later in Houston. So we're going to Houston, huh? Wouldn't mind going to Houston. Wouldn't mind going to Pasadena or New Orleans. Right, we've had success in, in New Orleans. Wouldn't mind going to Charlotte the week before that or a couple weeks before that, whenever that is. Conference championship. I will be there. Don't worry. It's going to be great. Houston, huh? Houston, Houston in January. We have not, before I get back to the text line. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm already thinking it. Yeah, you can do like you just said, you can tell me to pump the brakes or put my foot off the gas, but that ain't happened. I cut the brake line. I glued my foot to the pedal just like in Blues Brothers, and I'm burying the needle all the way to Houston. We're in speed two, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we go below 50, our heads will explode. You're damn right. I ain't, getting, I, ain't, I ain't the woman trying to jump off the bandwagon and getting blown up under the bus. No, no, sir. I'm, I'm the kid. I'm the guy from Ferris Bueller who's, who's a tourist just won't get off the bus. <laughs> Poor guy. He was in Ferris Bueller, man. He could have got a better role than that, right? We need to talk. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I agree. We need to talk briefly cause, just because we haven't brought him up yet. It's like the one thing that we haven't mentioned that we have to. Jamar Jordan. Uh, I mean, this guy, again, like the first year of our show, one of our running gags was like, is he on the team? <laughs> Does he exist? The guy from Syracuse, we're not sure he's real. And he is, I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the entire country. Coming back, at, and it was a Duke blowout that we finally got. Wait, it was a Syracuse. It was blowout. a Syracuse blowout. Then we, yeah, we we were we had to be at forty to nothing to put, get to see him on the field. I mean, I, I think I wrote about it after the game. I was like, dude, that guy runs pretty hard. He looks pretty good to me. I'm not sure why we're not playing him, but yeah. hey, Scott Satterfield, another master class in coaching. Was he was was he banged up though? I guess I don't know Satterfield will tell you he probably was, but yeah. he boy he was the first year, and then he still started fourth on the depth chart last year behind Jalen Mitchell and Tyon Evans and um, uh, Trey Cooley who is now at Georgia Tech, and then at the end of the year, he still was our best running back again. He, I mean, he is coming off of a, a performance against NC State where he just could not find any running room. 16 carries for 32 yards. I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, I think Jawar's good, but can he do it against a really stout defense? Were his, are, are his numbers the product of a couple of just gigantic plays against Georgia Tech and, and Murray State and Boston College and this? And then he goes out there, he was, and I don't think I'm, I'm overstating it. He, he was the best player on the field Saturday night. His first touchdown run, it looked like an NFL run. Like he, you know, he, the, the safety takes a terrible angle because he just misjudges his speed. He was so much faster than everybody that Notre Dame had out there. He made the Irish defense look slow at every level. He is remarkably a remarkably good football player. And guess what? Unless he chooses to go pro this year, we get him for another year after this. Syracuse, how do you let him? Well, I guess they had Sean Tucker, so. I still saw Syracuse fans who were like, it's uh, it's, it's not cool to see him doing this on a national stage right well, they, now. They, he, he, he was stuck by, yeah, as I mentioned, Tucker, he was, who was but still. pretty good at Syracuse. By the way, Syracuse still has Garrett Schrader. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got like 38. He's never leaving. He's never leaving. Do they, do they know he's there? I mean, I'm like, the guy's got gray in his beard. I mean, he's just kind of hanging around, waiting like like Milton. Like they're gonna see if they notice he's there. 
<laughs> this guy played in 2019. Is that your addition to the conversation? Just yeah. bringing up Garrett Schrader? Well, because I looked up Syracuse. I was like, how do you? And I, because I forgot about Sean Tucker for a second. I was like, how do you not? How do you let him go? And then, then I noticed Schrader's still on their depth chart. And I'm like, You're all over the place today. <laughs> yeah, just, you, you, there's too much going on that you just can't handle it. You're just like a little dog, just <laughs> looking every which way. Uh, can we pat ourselves That's on the back? That's any different than normal. I mean, it's true. I thought you'd be a little bit more focused on biggest win in recent program history, but no. No, we're going. I'm, 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 I'm focused enough to get tickets to Houston. Let's pat ourselves on the bat, uh, back for the, the Big X Big Bets of the weekend, which we do on every Friday. Uh, I said UCLA minus 3.5, Bama A&M over 45.5, and, and then Georgia minus 14.5. Boom, boom, boom. Three hits. You went NFL this week after your over three performance. I'm giving up on college football. You're done. You said Jets plus 2.5. They won outright. We had Falcons on Friday at minus one and a half. They won by two. Okay, I'd say, I thought I had them at a different line. DraftKings had it at a different post. You got we got minus one and a half is what I wrote down. That's what I'm sticking with. All right. And then Dolphins minus twelve also hit. So bam, six winners Friday, five and one for me on the season, three and three for you. If you've listened to the show, you're making some money. Plus, just for fun, I went nine for nine on a parlay money line card. Ooh, I like paid, that. Paid off a nice little chunk of change enough to. Not not enough to get DoorDash for us the week. At a boy, somebody somebody's getting some uh, some extra lobster with their with their uh, red lobster. This We're week. eating good at the Kelsey Manor. This oh, week. it's gonna be yeah. We like kings or three pounds of grapes. Your boy stays there on the text line. Said, "Do you think that Mario Cristobal should have been fired like USC did Lane Kiffin after that bonehead call?" That I kind of do. Hilarious. I kind of do. Like if that's if I'm a Miami fan, they left him in the in the tarmac. I would have. I'd be like, do you? Can you not count to forty? What What are you doing? It's the dumbest thing. I love the Miami player on the sidelines after the Georgia Tech touchdown that they zoom in on. Where there's like two seconds left on the clock, and he just goes, he says it twice. He goes, "What the f are we doing? What was what the f are we doing?" He was like, "We ran a play because we didn't have a timeout, or like I don't even know." He said what they like, should have called timeout. Well, I don't. Yeah, I was. Just, I never could understand like what his like concept was. Like what a lack of basic math skills. I mean. You know, they, they, you know, they did, it was you know, down. Did you see that they did the exact same thing in 2018 at Oregon? No. Yes. It, somebody unearthed, they're like, I forgot that he did the exact same thing. He fumbled late in the game where all they had to do was run out the clock with a knee. And it, I, don't, I don't think they lost, but it gave whoever they were playing a chance to win the game. <laughs> Just take a knee, dude. I, I mean, if that's me. Like, and I'm, there's 32 seconds on the clock and it's third down. You. Just take a knee and go to fourth down. You don't have to hike to the ball again. I mean, if that's me, I'm face down in a ditch still today. Like, I, I, I'm done. I, I could not handle a loss like that. Isn't, was, it, isn't, this, the, isn't this the dope we lost to at FIU? Uh, yes. Well, I guess. And Satterfield. <laughs> so, wait, so, oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. But, yeah, he's. That's. Ooh. Texas says. I can say, sorry, bring up Coach Prime to Miami. It says 502-414-1450. I'm just now seeing we have like 30 texts about the Notre Dame midterms. And I'm just <laughs> I, I again I didn't I have not gotten that far it was in the it was near the end of the game. It was it was near the end when he brought it up. Because I remember thinking to myself, like, I need to put down the pipe because I clearly am not I'm hearing things. There's no way he brought this up. Texas says, I love uh Katie George when interviewing Freeman saying it was loud at Duke. Obviously it's louder here. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's funny though. Well done. Texas says, do we need to acknowledge how correct Trevor was in many of his texts last week? Uh, it takes last week. He was right about us winning, obviously. He was really close in the score, and he was right about us winning on the ground. And I think he even said Plummer would just need to manage the game and we could win. Ooh, I, tell you, I, I said all those things. You I've were never, very spot on. I've never been more like, aroused to see a man take a sack. Same. I mean, Or throw the ball away. Yeah, just throw the ball away, yeah. Like when he's rolling out and, you know, the, you, you may be hoping to find something and nothing's there, so you just chuck it. 
Like I've ne- I I I think I clapped at one point. I, so it's, it's so funny you say that. I was the <laughs> annoying fan who like on a third down. I can't. Remember, I think it was when we were like driving late. It was one of the the, the the last field goals we kicked, and we were in, like a play action, and he he had heat in his face right away, and threw the ball like ten rows up in the crowd, and like everyone's like, oh, kind of groaning, and I'm like. That's okay. Yes. That's okay. Yes. That's okay. I'm like I'm like the annoying fan who's like I was like I'm play for another play. It's all good. There's a, there's gonna be a hundred plays in this game. Let's just take take a take. We'll take an L before we put up the L. He also, I mean, you know, he made some good throws in the game that we had to have. He didn't make the huge plays that I thought he was going to have to make uh, for us to win. But there were there was like a third down play where he hit uh, Amari Huggins Bruce over the middle. That was a big play because we had start we were starting to lose some momentum. Not the one where he dropped it. I was no, that was a bad one. That was that was not, that was not a great play. But like, he 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 seemed to forget making the big play. He made the right decision more yeah. times than not, which was a welcome change from what we've seen from him so far. Especially when the lights were the brightest. I mean, he finishes seventeen of twenty four for one hundred and forty five yards and a touchdown. And the touchdown throw. I thought was a great play too. He gets out of the pocket, thrash. Yeah, you know, I don't mind him scrambling open. out a little. bit. I don't either. I don't, that I don't mind. I'm not saying you can't be, you can't be somewhat, you know, making things on, you know, plays as they come along. But, but, but the guy's got you in your grasp. Just go down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that, that was a big thing. If you if you if, if, if it's fifty fifty chance you can get that ball in there, depending on the situation. But when your defense is playing that well, throw the damn thing away. Yeah, for sure. And that's the other thing, too. I mean, people were getting very, very upset about, um, like, I mean, everybody was going nuts when we took the field goal to make it 10-10 instead of going for the touchdown. And I was like, guys, like, our, our defense is playing pretty yeah. damn well here. I'm like, I'm like, like I, I think you saw Jeff's play calling reflect that in, in the second half where he was like, I mean, you know, don't yeah, don't leave points on the field at this point. Take them. He he basically was like, as long as we don't have a huge screw up that just gives them hands them points, like I, I feel like we're gonna win this game because our defense has been so dominant. And every time he was right, and every time Freeman tried to counter with a big decision, it seemed like he was wrong. Texture says, uh, shout to Josh Pate who picked U of L and then went on went scorched earth on the indie fans that called him a dumbass. Definitely recommend giving that a watch. I posted it on the on Car. That's Conference the guy we notes. talked about, right? Yeah, and yeah. he he very much was soaking up his victory. On both Saturday night and throughout the week. Good for him. Texture says, I'm a Packers fan, and when they recovered the onside kick with 120 left, I had some NFC championship PTSD. I there's a definitely a part of me that was like, not like this. Like like what had happened. I was like, please, please, God, no. Uh thankfully we got if, if they had scored again, my anxiety would have been at an all time high for that second onside kick. Oh yeah. No, that that is a given, yeah. The onside kick also it just like dribbled up to him. I was like, I was like, I was, like, I, was like, I was like, either just get away and don't let it go 10 yards or jump up and dive. I think it was Kevin Coleman who, who couldn't handle it. Uh, he, like, kind of was like, he, like, crawled into the fetal position and tried to, like, cradle it, and then it, it didn't work. I was like, this is not not great hands teamwork. <laughs> Texture says, am I going to say, all I'm going to say is Jack Plummer's not the only one who had 17 completions during that game. Great night. Couldn't be happier. F. Rudy. Go Cards. He said he's banged 17 girls. I don't know what that means. He just, I mean, did you did you did you have sex with seventeen women that night, Texas? <laughs> Does he mean Sam Hartman's passes to Louisville? I mean, honestly, I don't know if I should like give you a, like a penicillin shot or a hug. I mean, props, dude. 
Good Lord, man. I don't know how you're walking today. <laughs> Texas says, I was getting very nervous late in the game. We need to give credit to the UofL player who told Devin Neal to take a knee during the last interception. He showed more coaching maturity than Miami's head coach. That's... I don't know who that was, but yeah, somebody he was like, he basically like, go down. He like yeah. grabbed his shoulder pads and like forced him down to a knee. He's like, he's like, you're not returning this. It's always funny when you say that happening games. Texas says, hot take. I think if we can shut out Pittsburgh, I think we'll win. Uh, I don't think we'll need a shutout to win the game, but I think it's possible. If it happens, then we'll definitely win. Yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah, I don't think we're going to tie 0-0. Zero, zero. Texture says, Jeff gave me a full fall break of dreaming, and the Notre Dame win really made this Monday better. My birthday is October 29th, so okay. I'm just assuming he can keep us undefeated until then. Also, my second field storming in two years. I don't think I'll ever get tired of it. Well, we play Duke on the 28th. On the 18th, on the 28th That's so, what he's saying. Yeah. It'd be good. Storming fields is fun. Good time. You got, you got a taste of it now, huh? Uh, yeah, now I want more. Texter says, not to ruin the vibes, but KP just, no, 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 no. Remember, no. the new rule, Mondays after football victories, we don't talk about Kenny Payne, unless it's something good. And nothing good came from the, what I heard at that press conference. I'm Have you listened to it yet? No, but I'm seeing the quote that the Texter sent it in. I don't like I it. I haven't seen quotes. I, I mean, I only, now we got to listen to, because I didn't, I listened to it, it was, I literally as I drove from my house to here, so... 15, 18 minutes maybe of it. So most of it. But, yeah, it was it was already making me mad a little bit. Texas says, the bathroom comedian story might be an all-time CC podcast moment. I've listened to it 10 times, and I die laughing every time. It was wonderful. It was, the, the vibes have never been higher than they were Saturday night. It was great. And it was cool. I mean, just, you know, like walking into the stadium and having people just say, you know, everyone's high-fiving, everyone's yelling go-cards. People were saying nice things about the show. Uh, and the podcast, and the, it was it was just great. It was you might mention me, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice got higher there when you said yeah. No, yeah, that absolutely happened. People have people whenever I'm in public now, especially at U of L events, people do bring up. It's mostly like, is he really like he is on the radio? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Texas, don't forget the Chris Bell Superman tackle on the fumble. Did you have you seen that clip? Yes, I did. It was classic too. It was it, good. It's just, I, I want to use it for like a piling on tweet or something too. I mean, he's just like, he, he launches. It's great. Texas says one thing that Louisville can never take away from Sam Hartman, his excellent facial hair and skin features. He's a good looking man. He does have, he pulls off that beard very well. It's hard for me to feel sorry for him. I can't see, I can't, I've got the full gray beard, so I can't pull off that, that, the, the beard like some. He's got a great beard. But now I'm, I'm doing a good job of it right now because you know what? We're six and oh, that means no shaving right now for Trevor. Texas says, Brom has more wins in, in six games than Cape. No, nope, we're not doing that. No, nope, we're not. We're not doing that. Texas, I was watching the game in my pole barn in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, and my wife swears I could have been heard at LNN Stadium. What's a pole barn? I don't know, but I like it. Is it like, like a trip club? Sounds like we used to, we were sending recruits back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Google is like custom pole barn. <laughs> it just, I mean, it was. It was just a, a classic Cardinal night. Just everybody feeling. It's been so long since we had one of those. Where like everybody's on the same page. Everybody's happy. There's no. And I'm, I'm not to be a no hater. Fighting. It was just so good. Not to be a hater, but it didn't hurt that like we started it 40 minutes after UK did. And by the time we started, they were already down like 32 to nothing. It's, but I mean, like I wasn't even thinking about UK during the game. Well, like, you were you were at the game. Like I I was watching the UK game before we we came on. So. Oh, so that started your good vibes there. That started my good vibe. Well, I, I, I other than TJ time. told me to take the under. Well, don't listen. And by the time by the time we kicked off, I think the under was already like in history. Texas says I saw a post from visiting fans from South Bend, and they were asking about things to do, places to visit, etc. 
And the top reply was, whatever you do, I recommend Marty Polio to help you book it. He's the best travel agent in the city. He'll get you there fast and on time. <laughs> Is that a shot at Marty for some reason? Well, yeah. Look at this. Look, Marty helped bring us a win on Saturday. That's all that matters. Hey, Marty's going to get me a job as, like, the head of, like. Yeah. JCPS, you're going to be in, like, family relations. Family relations, yeah. So, I mean, be nice to Marty. Texture says, something I thought was funny was Ohio State fans going through the stages of grief on Twitter. They could not fathom how they had to fight tooth and nail and had to get a walk-off touchdown against 10 guys while Louisville dominated the same team. I did love someone was like, I don't hear Jeff Brom making shouts at 80-year-old Lou Holtz after winning the game. I mean, yeah. Like, Running his mouth at Lou Holtz. I, I mean, Ohio State, like, that is the thing that makes me feel better about Saturday. Like, whatever. If you want to say they were beat up, they were worn down, they had midterms, whatever excuse you want to use, <laughs> that's still a team that should have, and let, you know, if their coach just knew how to count, beaten Ohio State. Like, like that should have been a, a, a Notre Dame victory, and we took that same team, and there was no drama uh, late. I mean, uh, the onside kicks stuff was, was a little bit dramatic, but we controlled that game from virtually start to finish. We were clearly the better team for four quarters. I mean, it was semi-close. Like, I mean, score-wise, especially. Score-wise, but I still felt like we were the better team. Yeah, like, I did, too. That's like, what, but that stuff didn't make me nervous because, like you said, when the fumble thrashed. Like, yeah, that's why I said I, yeah. that was the only time that I got, like, after the start of the game, where I, I felt like, oh, no, like, like the momentum's going to flip. Because at halftime, I'm like, I know we missed that field goal, but I feel like we're, we've been better than them. We get the ball to start the half. Mm-hmm. Let's go down and score. We'll control things. And then the first play, we fumble. And I'm like, damn, like, this is... This is not good. And then the defense steps up right away and gets uh, the three and out. They get the field goal. And then from that point forward, it's uh, it's game. I mean, we've talked about, you know, I brought the Indiana game where I said, you know, they had like pretty much just two drives because then we scored on one and then we stopped them on the other. The half field doesn't count to me. Like Notre Dame had one drive in that entire game, really. Yeah. And I don't even know if you count. I mean, even the, their quote-unquote one drive was, you know, to me is the touch, resulting in the touchdown was still like a 35-yard touchdown pass. I mean, they don't get that big play right there. Who's to say that we don't hold another field goal? And they had one big play of any consequence if you take out the, the their last touchdown drive. And, and the running back had a couple nice runs for like 10 yards here. But that was there. it. Like yeah. the, Their long run of the game was 13 yards. Yeah, that was love. I think he had, he had to make two of them, I think, like maybe, but maybe just one. And, and Audrick Estime, who's you know one of the nation's leading rusher coming to the game, 10 carries for 20 yards. Like Again, we beat them playing the way that they wanted to play. We beat them at their own game. I mean, they go for it on fourth and one, and we just blow up the line. And I think it was TJ Quinn that just got just, I mean, just didn't even get touched getting through there and just blowing them up. We did it twice. Oh, it's... Yeah, I'm getting excited. I know. Yeah, the, outside of the Jordan Faison touchdown catch, which, again, you're going to give up some of those. The, one of the very few times where we brought extra pressure and nobody got home and Hartman had all day to throw. Well, you lost. Yeah, the you're safety, gonna give the safety up, made the wrong move. Yeah. You're going to give up those types of plays when you are playing feast or famine. But besides that, like we just we didn't fear their wide receivers. Nope. We brought a ton of pressure. We shut down the run game. And then Hartman had no time to throw. It was just a completely dominant performance. And that same team, you know, they, they've been pretty good on offense most times this year. I did see uh, Texter brings up the – Matt Jones had a tweet after the game where he was like, you can't compare this game to Georgia. Louisville was at home against a Notre Dame team that's almost lost every game they've played. It's like, well, no, that's not true at all. You can't just had midterms. Yeah, you can't just talk out of your ass. Notre Dame has a margin of victory this year of 39, 53, 21, 24, and seven points, and then they lost Ohio State by three. So that's just a blatant lie. Yeah, George, on the other hand, almost, you can quote-unquote, lost two of the last three games with South Carolina and Auburn. I'm not arguing that beating Notre Dame at home is 
like would have been a better accomplishment than beating Georgia on the road. But mm. let's not lie about it. Notre and Dame is not a team. And yeah. One, yeah. Notre Dame is not a team that has almost lost every game they've played. They've been dominant outside of their last two games. Yeah, I would I would stop worrying so much about what we're doing. This is what you're doing right now is the way you just got humiliated by Georgia. Well, if I'm them, I'm probably more worried about us too. They got people telling me oh, this is the best defense Kentucky's ever had and had under Stoops. Well, that's not a good sign, maybe. Texas going forward on fourth and eleven deep in your own territory with ten minutes left is video game style decision making. I was shocked. I think I was I was very, very, very surprised. All the announcers were shocked as well. And I, I don't because how much there was the, the time was I mean, if there was like two minutes left in the game is one thing. But there was like nine minutes left in the game. And that's pretty much conceding, saying that we know that we we have to go for it because we have no ch- our defense is being our offense can has no chance against your defense. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I And that's just a beautiful feeling to it, whether they even if they get it, it's still you know now that you own them regardless. Yeah. It was it, was, it reeked of desperation. Um, I tell you what. Well, we, I know what it's I know I know the smell of, of desperation. I understand. I, I I smell it on a daily basis. We have thirty five texts left, uh, at least thirty five texts. Some of these people have multiple texts. Do we should we just skip the last break? You can. Yeah. Let's just go. It's a special day. It's a special day. I'm sorry to our advertisers, but we're we're going right through. We got about uh twenty minutes left in the show. Thirty Louisville fans. We'll take as many texts as we can. Texture says, I don't know what the worst call was. Mario Cristobal calling a run play or me thinking I could play the emergency pot on Sunday morning on the way to the grocery store with my six and three year old oh, in the backseat. No. That one is on me, fellas. I should have known better. Yeah, you yeah, can't. Yeah, that wasn't smart. I listened to that emergency pod. Yeah. I That's wouldn't. what emergency podcasts do. We it's right in, in the heat of the moment, we're gonna cuss, we're gonna say mean things. I called it the Rudiger family. I told them to Do you want I got one message for you. Bleep you. Yeah. I was like, I was sitting there I stand by that. It's like 2.30 in the morning. I'm actually in bed listening to that podcast. I'm like, that's funny. Thank you. <laughs> Texture says, did you all see the I Hate Rudy sweatshirt? Do you know anywhere I can get it? I saw a bunch of those shirts. I saw, I like, multiple not. people wearing them. Uh, th- there was an I Hate Rudy shirt. Uh, a lot of people made the same. Like, the, the bathroom comedians were making the, Rudy was off size. I'm like, come on, guys. You're making us look bad. Let's be a little bit more creative. See, I'm not even, I'm not even, I, I still love Rudy. I, I did not think it's Rudy. It's just not my fault that he had, you know. Had a terrible family. Cho- chose poorly with his, his collegiate education. Also, Joe Montana just stayed at St. Mary's. Joe Montana said everybody hated him on the team. Wow, they, they carried him off the field as a joke. Let's. I I, I want to believe that, but I've heard I've heard Montana being hated by almost everyone he ever played with as well. It's many of stories. I stand by Joe. I mean, the, what, the, there's, and there's the famous where he tells the kid, "I'll be right out. I'll give you an autograph." And he's seen sneaking out the window. It's an old Joe Montana story. No, 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 no. Texas, did you see Kirby Smart calling out Stoops' UK team for being dirty over the weekend? God, I can't wait to kick their ass. That style of play scared Sat. It will just fuel Brom. I did see. Here was his exact quote uh, after the games. Uh, Kirby Smart said, I told my guys, hey, look, Kentucky's going to have some penalties. They'll have guys push you, shove you, or do something to you. You just don't respond to it. I thought our guys were really good. That was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's been their MO under Stoops. Like, like we had – Remember last year it was all about like the don't don't let them get in your heads and Malik Cunningham right away gets like a late he gets pushed a little bit out of bounds and like retaliates and gets flagged and we the texture is exactly right like we let that stuff get completely into our heads under Scott Satterfield and it just never worked out well they tried to do it when Petrino was here and Petrino I think hated them so much that he like wouldn't let our guys like he he didn't really let it work I know they beat us in 2016 but that wasn't 
a product of us being undisciplined, our defense just sucked because our coordinator was leaving and they didn't care anymore. And that's what UK does. They throw punches before the game on the field. They throw trash cans that during during the game on. Uh, and yeah, that's just what they do. Texas, they throw trash cans because they are trash. Texas says the atmosphere was awesome, but what will it take for a DJK dog to play "We Ready" by Archie? There was a moment where I think I think it was like twenty seven thirteen. They'd call timeout and. It, it felt like the perfect time, but my here it comes. He's going to play it. And it, it was like the one song that I didn't know that I was like, eh, I don't really care. Did they not play it when we came out the tunnel? No, they, they did the same intro that they've done. Oh, they need to play the Are You Ready? It's, it's, ready. They play Joker and the Thief now when we come out, and it was pretty, it was pretty electric. And that's the song from Hangover, right? No. That's, that's the song that they, they play that now at the start of every, at the, at the end of every third quarter going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I always remember being, I, th- I thought that was the Hangover montage song. Maybe, I don't I don't remember it from the being that it was our old song on the old radio show back in the day. Was it? And then UofL kind of adopted it. Am I saying that I took, uh, I'm taking credit for this? Yes, absolutely. Am I saying I didn't listen to your old radio show? Yes, I am. That's fine. <laughs> you listen to mine. So I, <laughs> I did not. Texas says, I saw some UK fans making fun of us for storming the field. UK stormed the field after beating an unranked one and three South Carolina team. They have no room to talk. Yeah, I, Storm away, kids. I texted you that last night, the, the Saturday night. Just storm your heart out, buddy. I did see there's a video going around of a bunch of UofL students at midfield after the game chanting bleep UK. And, like, you know, it's, UK fans are doing the whole, like, rent-free thing, which you know, is ironic since you guys do L's down for, you know, Kentucky versus Kent State soccer games. But it, I, I did kind of, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't really, let's not, we don't need any focus on UK after we just beat top 10 Notre Dame. I kind of cringed when I saw the video. But kids are going to be kids, Trev. Exactly. We have, they also, there was a, I think Troy actually had, sent me a video, and I saw other people posting the video. I guess some students uh, around campus, like, burned a couch and were throwing some, uh, and I was kind of like, you know, like I, Look, Troy sent me a video of some kids singing in, a, like, a, 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 like, a, like, a music class. It was kind of weird. I'm thinking, I'm wondering if he meant to send that I don't think you. he meant to send that to you, then. Like, it's kids singing, like, <laughs> But the couch burning, we don't need to do that. I mean, it's just, again, kids will be kids, but if we're going to, like, roll our eyes at UK when they do that, we don't need to be doing it either. Texas says, we won the game before it started. Uh, when I saw ND stomp on the bird before the game, I knew we had it. Does Kelly Dickey have our win percentage when opponents stomp on the bird? When will teams learn? Well, I know it's never, we've never lost when an opposing team has done it. Now, they didn't show it on TV, so only people at the stadium can, can, can back me up. Because Notre Dame fans are trying to claim that they do this every game where they go to midfield and they kneel and they pray for the safety of their team and the other team. There was some absolute stomping going on. And, and like fans saw it, they booed. You texted me and said it happened. It absolutely happened. It wasn't yeah. like the whole t- it wasn't as 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 blatant as like the Miami game or some of the games back in the day or when it burst on Memphis. But it was like four or five guys that were like blatantly like doing the whole like stomping and like kind of kicking their like the horse kickback where they're like trying to scrap up the field. And it was I mean it was it was definitely a deliberate attempt to disparage the logo for sure. And I think it falls under the stomp, stomp on the bird thing where we've beaten teams by an average of like 49 points. Should they, I mean. Don't do it, guys. I mean, I guess. Second that, PSA of the day from us. I mean, these kids are in, in, a, in a higher educational program where they're taking ACTs during the test. I guess one of those questions wasn't, don't be an idiot and stomp on the bird. Don't throw a Quincy Riley. Don't stomp on the bird. Those are two tips from us. <laughs> Some things you don't do in this world. <laughs> Texas says, I was working this weekend, so I had to watch the game in a hotel. It was a great moment for the program. Also, I'm pretty sure during Brahms' postgame interview, I saw Jack Harlow chanting, Mick Cronin sucks. Uh, <laughs> Mick Cronin sucks, guy. 
That's not what he was saying, but it makes it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Texas, if we are undefeated and somehow lose to UK, will it haunt us forever? Will we have wished that we lost to Pitt, etc.? I do not think this will happen, but yeah, that would be tough. Texas, Texas. Okay, uh, you you you've got a you, you're you're banned for tomorrow. Okay? Don't even say it. Yeah, that's. Well, I mean, he does say I 100 percent agree with Trevor, but I don't know. Okay, you're not banned, but you're on you're on the nice, buddy. I mean, I agree with the text. Like, you know, if we lose, if we were 11 and 0 going to the UK game and we lost, I would be like, I wish we would have lost to Pitt earlier in the season because I don't want them to be able to take that away from us. But I'm not thinking that way right now. Yeah, I'm not thinking that way right now. I guess Texas did point out that I guess the 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 plumber slip up was right after the trivia question. He says on here. Which, by the way, I was, I was, I was so, I was dumping my chest out. You did that trivia question. What, I mean, what are you talking about right now? The text, that same text. I'm reading his text. Well, yeah, but people don't know what you're saying. The, oh. the Brom slip up when he, some, when the announcers called Jack Plummer Brom. Yeah, he says it was right after they had done the which QBs were drafted yeah. trivia. Texas. So Scott Satterfield had a bye week and had to watch from home. Uh, Louisville and all its glory. God has a sense of humor. There was a. I, I did have a. I did have a moment where I was like, I wonder if Scott's watching. I was wondering if they won or not this week. I didn't know. If it's, I didn't know they were on a bye. I mean, yeah, you got you got a bye week. It's seven thirty. It's prime time. You know, your college football coach. He's probably watching. I doubt he's watching. He was probably. I like, think he's watching. No, he was probably. I bet he was. Don't say he was recruiting. You know, he wasn't doing no, that. No, I, I bet he was. I bet he was doing something with the family. They were watching like Homeward Bound or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the dog movie? Yes. Shadow. <laughs> it was family movie night. I like Homer Bound. I do too. I'm just saying. I wouldn't, wouldn't be watching it on the Saturday night show. Texas says, I had Joker and the Thief stuck in my head on repeat all day yesterday. It was great. Let's let the Big Ten schools have Mr. Brightside. It's kind of a weird song for a football game. That's my unpopular opinion. I thought they were, I thought Big Ten was the the seven, uh, the White Stripes song. Seven Nation Army. Yeah. I, I think that's everybody. Oh, I always thought, I always thought that was them and the SEC was Sandstorm. I, mean, I think it's just South Carolina. That's true. It is South Carolina. Texas says, TK said, see ya, I can't see ya. No, because I'm about the musician? See yeah. ya, yeah. And that who it is? Yeah. See ya, yeah. Texas, it feels like a very U of L football thing for this year's team to finish the regular season ranked in the top 12 and be a year early for the expanded playoffs. That would be just, yeah, if we, if, say we go 11 and 1 and we finish like number 10 in the country and we get left. <laughs> no, would. Like a year from now, we'd be in the playoff, but now we're playing. I mean, I, I'd settle for an orange bowl trip. Can we talk about the fact briefly? I, I don't want to get into the whole tiebreaker situation, but we are in a in a scenario right now where it's us, Florida State, and North Carolina are the only remaining conference unbeaten teams, and we don't play each other this year. So there's a possibility. They don't play each other either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. None of us play each other. There's a possibility that all three teams could finish eight zero in conference play. Which the the weird tiebreakers it comes down to are national ranking. No, it's it's more convoluted than that. Uh, oh. Kelly Dickey put it out the whole scenario there. I don't want to read the entire thing, but basically, it should be just national ranking. Obviously, you want to root for well. Right now, that would kind of screw us because we we're the lowest ranked of the teams. Are we? I thought we were heading North Carolina. Carolina's twelve right now, uh, but we want to root for. It comes down to like basically which team uh, opponents have better records. So, we don't play Clemson, so we want to root against Clemson. We want Clemson to lose every game. Well, Easy for me to do. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're, they've already got two losses anyway. We don't have Syracuse or Wake Forest on our schedule, so we want them to lose as many games as possible. 
except when they're playing Florida State or North Carolina. So root against Syracuse in the Syracuse-Wake Forest game. Root against Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Clemson against everybody besides Florida State and North Carolina. But hopefully this takes care of itself. Carolina's got a – I mean, they still they play Miami, I think, this week. They, they end the season at Clemson. Um, they play NC State. Florida State's got to play uh, a couple of tough games. Hopefully this takes care of itself. But if not, we could be in a weird situation. And this is going to be more of the norm with these super conferences. The new Big Ten schedule for next year, they have a possibility of five teams finishing the season unbeaten. It's insane. Texas says the music was nonstop and intense for the whole game. I felt like I was on cocaine. It was incredible. I don't think you're doing cocaine wrong, dude, but okay. Texas says I wanted to beat Notre Dame bad, but trying to park in the Boy Scout lot before, lot before the game like we've always done, they told us we couldn't park in there unless we had a Notre Dame parking pass. They really closed the lot for Notre Dame. Ridiculous. Is that true? All I know is Danny went over to one of those lots, and he, like, like it was to, to tug with his family, and it was like a Notre Dame parking lot. Like, they, it was like, he had a pass, but it was, like, reserved for Notre Dame fans. I mean, why did they need a whole parking lot? They just, you know, they, even when they don't, it's like the ACC thing all over again. They, you know, they don't really live here, but they just act like they own the place. Texas, I heard the Notre Dame players' hands got cold. Just messing with you, Mike. Because they didn't have hand warmers? Because they were dropping passes? I don't it's our guy Chris the Plumber. They took the ACT? Maybe. <laughs> he also says us radio guys wouldn't survive the Deer Woods. Oh, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm, no, I'm not trying to claim I would. I'm, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I've said if they ever have another like, military draft, I'm going to Canada, not because I have no respect for the country, because I'll be dead in a week. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't, I'm not going to waste the government's money trying to pretend to train me. I can barely survive the Cherokee Park work. I can barely survive walking to my car. Texas says, let me, uh, let me preface this by saying I know this is petty, but I hope the previous coach was watching on Saturday. Yeah, you're not petty because somebody else already brought it up. Yeah, and we hope he was too. Texas ND learned the hard way. Don't stomp on the bird. Do not stomp. Texas says, does Trevor participate in the Devil's Lettuce during every football game? It seems like a more calm way to enjoy the game rather than playing paying $10 for a beer. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I love the... And uh, if I had been there... Like, I was like, why are you even hesitating? If I had been there, I would have probably taken some uh, some gummies in with me or something. a boy. Texas says, we're picketing Josh Hurd's office for Kyle Boland to push the button against Kentucky, right? I, yeah, th- th- that needs to happen. The button push was pretty cool by Bon uh, by, by uh, Reggie. I mean, yeah, Reggie Bon... If, he was know, getting into it, man. I loved it. And they showed, like, you know, th- when they introduced him on the big screen, they showed, like, his most memorable moment came as a freshman when he beat Notre Dame. And, like, you know, they did the highlights. People go nuts. I mean, yeah, bring Kyle Bolin back for the Kentucky game. Show those highlights. Have him push the button. Like, like, I mean, at this point, like, who I don't know who, who like, had the best game against Pitt. Bring them back. I don't care who it was. Derek Character for that spin move. Get, get Derek Character back for his, uh, his, his spin move his, on. His most memorable moment in his career was that spin move. <laughs> they just showed five times. Cardinal forever. Derek Character. I still remember being in bowling and watching that game. I'll never it's so, it's so sad. It's one of those moments I'll never forget where I was I, watching yeah, it. Yeah, I remember it. And it's that stupid spin move. <laughs> We were like, this guy's going to be incredible. It's the most insane. <laughs> was Steven Adams guarding him when he did that, or was it the... Uh... No, it was the other tall white guy. Oh, yeah, the guy was before that. Adams, and I can't remember his name either to save my life now. But he was, I mean, he yeah. was like supposed to be the best uh, the, the, the best center in the Big East that year. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, if he's doing this right now, imagine how good he's going to be. I can't remember if we won the game. I think we lost. I think we did. I just remember that spin move, though. It's all that mattered. Oh, DC. <laughs> God, what a what a 
<laughs> the worst things to be remembered for, I guess. It was a great. I mean, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. I lo- <laughs> now I'm thinking about him coming back and pushing the button, legitimately. <laughs> Just for the spin move. <laughs> I can't think of anybody that's had a more of a more of an impact. Showing in slow motion. Not <laughs> Just that's the only highlight they have. I think he played like five minutes. Just of that different game. angles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a reenactment of it, like you'd see, like on. Like on the, like the missing people show. <laughs> he comes out. He does the spin move to get to the button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, what's that guy's name now? The, the center's name? He's driving me crazy. Because uh, I write it, wasn't it? Cause Adam, Aaron Gray. Yeah, Aaron Gray, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's going to drive me crazy. Because Adam's only played one year. And he was gone. He was much later on. He was like 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was the same class as Gorgie. He was the same draft as Gorgie. Because he got drafted ahead of Gorgie, and I thought he was going to be way worse, and I was wrong. Texas has been a lot of Mario Cristobal talk after one of the worst coaching decisions in the history of football on Saturday. But a stat I saw that made me feel better about our game at Miami is that he has not won an ACC home game since he's been Miami's coach. Is that right? No way. That's not right. I mean, how, he's, I always only been there. This is only his second year, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, but still, he's no way he has not won a single. I mean, this was the, I know this was their first home game this year. Did they go winless at home last season? I mean, they were 4-0 going to the game. And they're, they're only one in the ACC now. Wait, that's what he's saying. They haven't won an ACC home game since Cristobal got there. I mean, that's just 2022. Uh, yeah, they, they they went winless at home last year. So, that's right. He's, he's 0-5. I mean, they went 5-7, and seven, yes. And then... He's 0-5 in conference home games. That's That does make me feel better. That's insane. Texas, do we think that Jawar is coming back next year? I mean, I know he's got another year. I would expect him to. I don't see him. I mean, he, I guess he could. But but he could also be one of those guys like um, uh, Marshawn Ford who just is like, I'm kind of done with college football. Like, I'm I'm old. I, I'm done with this. But he technically has a year of eligibility left. Texas, am I the only one that thought the flags guys uh, that people ran out way too early before the team ran out and it was a horrible omen? I was nervous until that first drive interception. I didn't notice. I think you talking about the, the people that were, like, trying to – curtail the, the the organize the field storm because people were like on the field already with like two minutes to go no oh, it surprised me yeah i mean listen we're not this isn't our i mean we're not old hands at this people yeah. sorry texas says uh coach looks bad yes but why did the qb just hike it and lay down is that in the fourth down play no he's talking about miami I assume he's talking. Oh about yeah, yeah he's, he's right. Yeah, if you're the, re- you're the you're the quarterback, why why I mean just just go down. Yeah, just, just take Tyler, a knee. Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke is a experienced quarterback. He's pretty good. I mean, I, I guess you don't want to go against if the coach like tells you to run a play, but he's still, but he's still like a sophomore, isn't he? I mean, he just it feels like he's been there forever because he started as a true freshman. Yeah, he's a redshirt sophomore. Is he a redshirt sophomore? Okay, pretty sure. Could be wrong, but he. I mean, yeah. If I, but he's still young. I know. I mean, well, I guess relatively young. He on. should probably know. I mean, I, I think that. The other thing that's lost in all this, I'm pretty sure the Miami running back is down when he fumbles, and everybody is like, it doesn't matter. You're so dumb. You deserve it. Like, like, like nobody's well, feeling bad for Miami because the call is probably wrong. Because it was hard because they were doing the replay, and I was when I was flipping between that and watching the highlights of another – because I, I didn't want to miss our highlights, on again, on you know the final show. So I was flipping between the two, and it did look like he was down, but it was so hard to tell, and the ruling was already initially a fumble that it kind of went – that's why I think it, got, it went their way. Texas, the Miami running back was at 99 yards. Mario wanted to get him over 100. I've seen a couple people say this, and I know that he denied it. He said, I didn't even I know where he, where he was. He deny that. He better deny it. That's, if that is, that's just that's bad. Is there a penalty situation happening in Miami? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I listen, I get you. There, I, I'm not saying coaches don't know their statistical platforms of players and putting them in certain ways, but 
You never admit to it after a game. That's just something you don't do. All right, we got four minutes. Let's go as fast as we can. All right, let's read them. Texas, where did your head go when Thrash fumbled early in the third quarter? Straight that was, in the toilet. It was, it was bad. That, right. That's when I said that was my lowest point of the game. Right in the bong. Texas, did we forget that we can touch the ball no matter how far it goes in the onside kick? I think so. That's, that's why I said. <laughs> don't let it come to you. Don't cradle it. Get up there and make it. We own three on onsides this year. We are bad at onside kicks. If it comes down to an onside kick, I will not feel confident. We are 0-3. Georgia Tech, Indiana in that game. All we did not get them. Not good. Texas, I hated that last field goal. The risk reward wasn't worth it, in my opinion. Also, when I jumped the wall, I landed so hard that I woke up with COVID this morning. <laughs> Still a miracle my 46-year-old fat ass didn't break every bone in my body. I love how you woke up with COVID because of that. <laughs> I agree with the last uh, the last field goal. Okay, I was I wasn't completely. I, I mean, I was saying like, I'll just go ahead and go for it because if not, if we don't get it, we've pinned them deep. Uh, worst thing that can happen is a, a block and a return. I was with you in saying, like, just go for it. But worked out. Yeah, I, I don't care. I just wanted points. Texas, the podcast story about the bathroom was great, but it was better in real life. You should have heard my 10-year-old telling his mom that story. I was howling. That would be funny. A lot of people were in there. A lot of people heard it. It was great. <laughs> Texas, Mike, it's Angry Guy. We had a good run for the last two years or so, but you all are too happy now. I might tune in again during basketball season. <laughs> good luck. That's a great text. Angry Guy's done. He's gone. That's a good text, though. I like that text. There's no, it has to be an imposter. First of all, the punctuation's too good. Second of all, Angry Guy can never leave the show. He'll never leave the show. Tapping out for tobacco. He'll never walk away from this show. I mean. <laughs> Texas sends in a Ralph Rousseau from the AP tweets about Georgia and Kentucky have played a lot of fake big games in recent years. Feels that way. It does. Texas, can we talk about the studi- uh, the stupid stadium playing the Jason Aldean song? Read the bleeping room. My God, I wouldn't even know. All I saw a commercial for his concert. Was that the, like the sing along one? It was like a country song that I didn't know that like a lot of people seem to know the words to. I don't I know if that was that one. Yeah, it might have been. I didn't recognize it. So yeah, it's not, not my my cup of tea. Texas, it's too bad Lamar blew the game versus the Steelers yesterday, or else the Mike Rutherford show superfecta would have been complete with the Cards, Lions, and Eagles winning. Yeah, but I had I had the Steelers winning on my parlay card, so I couldn't be too mad. I did bet on the Ravens. It was the one bet I lost this weekend. Made five bets. I bet the three. I should. I need to start doing parlays. The three that I gave everyone, I just bet them individually. So I won those. And then you I always bet. do that, but then you parlay them together. That's I should what I have. Do. I should have. I was dumb. I'm the I, type of guy to do like 25 on like a three team parlay, and then and then so 100 bucks total, you know, and just bet it away. That. I was dumb. I, right right away, I was like, ah, I felt really good about these bets. I should have bet. And then I bet the over in the the Sunday night game last night. And that hit. So I was four or five. That's good. I took the, I took nine or five minus three and a half. Texas, the student section was chanting. F. Sam Hartman while he was sitting on the bench the last couple series of the game. Nah, I don't need to kick him while he's down, people. It's we'll we'll bring him into Derby. We'll, we'll invite him in for Derby. He's not banned from the show. Sam Hartman's never going to come to Louisville. He's <laughs> never coming to the city. <laughs> Texture says, um, uh, watching Homer Bound, holy bleep, LOL. That's a good pool, right? Yeah. Texture says, I'm pretty sure Matt Jones claimed a lot not long ago that Louisville would never sell out a football game again. Well, he's wrong again. Texas, three ACC teams in the playoff. Fine ball might have a heart attack. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, Texas says, my buddy's parlay card this weekend. And then he doesn't have anything there. Texas says, did Trevor say he was excited to see another man take a sack? <laughs> I saw somebody. I, I sent you the clip of somebody. <laughs> I know. I clipped I the, uh, I'm jacking it all the way, buddy. Like, I, I, rep- I replied to it. I, and I still am. <laughs> Texas yes. Like, I, yes. It, made, it brought me. I love pleasure it. when I saw a man take a sack. Texas, we vanquished angry guy. The vibes are impeccable. You're not wrong. <laughs> Texas, we should boycott that Boy Scout lot for a little while. While I don't want to, I don't want to make, I don't want to hurt the Boy Scouts, but it's, it's, a, it's a bad look. Are you saying it's the last Boy Scout? 
Boy Scouts and Catholics team in offense. By the way, I think I uh, great combination. I'll double check it. I guess the one downfall for the weekend was, uh, yeah, I think my my mom's lover beat me in fantasy football. I mean, I guess. All right, real quick, we got like thirty seconds. Packers Raiders. Stepdad. <laughs> Sorry, Packers Raiders tonight. Vegas is a two-point home favorite. TK, who you got? Uh, I already took it. I'm taking the uh, Packers. Uh, taking uh, was it minus one and a half? I think or two. It's Vegas minus two. Vegas minus two. I got to be one and a half. But yeah, taking Packers minus two on taking, the road. Taking Packers straight up. All right, everyone have, fan- this one. everyone have a fantastic Monday. The giddiness continues tomorrow. Giddy. We'll be back here at three o'clock. Go Cards. Not saying go back. Sing along. Lock on Kentucky Alice only locally on Sports Talk 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio. WXVW Jeffersonville.